is Up for Debate presents Shaken, Not Stirred, Six Decades of James Bond in Film. Tonight, episode number 147, recorded May 23rd, 2019. Chapter 8, Matt and Sean in The Definitive Bond Rankings. Till I looked in 
Hello, everybody. Welcome to this, our eighth chapter of This Up for Debate Presents. I am Sean Jennings, joined as always by a man whose audition tape to play Bond must have gotten lost in the mail. It's Mr. Matt Mariani. Yeah, they, they told me they'd give me a call back, but... Um, You're still waiting. I got beaten out by that uh, that that Lazenby fellow. Ugh, you know, they, they just, they always go with him. I thought you would have been better. Ah, it's okay. I'm sure that there'll be, there'll be other moments. There'll be other bonds out there. I think, if I remember correctly, wasn't the comment that you were too nice to play Bond? You were too approachable? I think that was the word. Yeah. To to every man is a very nice way of saying too, just boring. Too too crappy. Yeah. But I did appreciate Uh when they offered you a smaller role to be a henchman killed by Bond in the first three minutes of the movie. You said no. I I did. You wanted more. I, I would have been I would have been honored by that, but you know, uh, SAG and all that. It just wasn't worth it, man. You would have had to yeah. go on through the union, and you know the. It's, it's too much of a process, man. They make it. They make it. it too hard on us, us actors, us aspiring actors. Yes, Matt. Thank goodness you have a backup career in podcasting. We are here tonight. Matt, we have somehow, I, I was thinking about it today, I still cannot believe we watched 25 movies in the last, like, three months. Yeah. I have not watched 25 movies in, no joke, the last, like, five years. Oh, yeah. This was, um, this was, this was way beyond anything that, like, a larger scope that I ever thought we were gonna accomplish. And, uh, I guess when I suggested the idea, I didn't really put the whole we're going to be watching these movies and we have to like set actual time out of our actual lives to do that part. Uh, just guess I never thought of that part, but it's a good lesson uh, for us to learn. Yeah. I, I, um, I like to think of it as an adventure that we went on and we, we took our fans with us and, uh, hopefully we, we exposed you to new, uh, a new, another new horizon, right? This is another feather in your cap. I thought this was great. I honestly, I think I've talked before on the show many, many times about my general disinterest in movies as a whole, but I do think this did give me a better, being able to see the bonds throughout the years, I think this has given me a better appreciation for cinema throughout the years and how much I enjoy about seeing films change, what I think makes me generally apathetic towards movies today because it's a lot of the same, but if you look at movies, why kind of like when we when we talked about Star Wars on the show, I watched Star Wars for the first time, kind of the same idea. Right. So I think that that was exciting for me. Hmm. Yeah. See, we're get, we're we're exploring new horizons here. I, that's what I like about the show: trying new things. Yeah. Definitely. So we uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. Yes, no uh, more movies. Uh, we've seen them pretty all. Pretty big show. We've we've watched all of the all of the James Bonds. There are no more Bonds left to left to watch. We've done it's it. All. But now we have to get to the part in the series where we give our wildly uninformed, barely completed thoughts on these movies. And that we're going to do some serious ranking here. I mean, we're this isn't just a simple like dislike. You're going to have to put your money where your mouth is and really decide what is better and what is worse. Oh no! I feel like I'm about to take a, an exam here. Well, it's a no, I, I, quite honestly a no-win situation because even as I was ranking all of my stuff, I was like, I rearranged these lists like 20 times from when I wrote them to now. Yeah, it's, it's very it's hard, hard to decide, and there's it's just hard. so much to choose from. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of categories. There's a lot of things to consider. I think there are different ways and different like 
methods of ranking, and uh, we'll get into all of that. I'm pretty excited to to jump in. Yeah, where where do you want to start, Matt? Um, I I think you said that you did extensive uh, note taking and research, so I want to go ahead and I'll, I'll defer to you. Oh, that's where very do you sweet. Want to begin? Um. Let's start with, so on the list of things that I ranked, and we talked about this last week, the villains, the villains' plans, theme songs, Bond girls, gadgets, uh, the movies themselves, the actors, we're going to get through all of that. Um, Why don't we start with um, sort of the broadest category? I didn't actually rank these, I just noted some gadgets. Oh, okay. Bond films known, uh, Q, of course, uh, the quartermaster and his lab coming up with some zany gadgets. I highly recommend anyone who is a fan of James Bond going to the Wikipedia page list of James Bond gadgets only because not only do they list the gadgets he uses, but they also list the gadgets the villain uses. And even like the gadgets that are like background jokes when they're in those Q scenes in the lab and like some crazy that they even had in there. My favorite line was, it was like sandwich and it's like bond mistakes cues sandwich. And like that was actually listed as a gadget. So it's a funny, nice. ar- it's a funny article. Is this the real Wikipedia or like the bond? No, the real Wikipedia, just Google list of James Bond gadgets and you'll find it. Uh, it was very indispensable to me putting this list together. Matt, notable gadgets for you. Any, any immediately come to mind? Well, besides the, the sandwich, of course, Oh, of course, um, I, I think we can definitely start out with um, the the. Well, it seems to be, I think, a very like one of the most iconic modern Bond gadgets, um, the laser watch from Golden. Oh, sure. How about there? How about we start there? I mean, the watch overall. I mean, it's probably the most consistent part of Bond's gadget arsenal, movie to movie. I think when you, yeah, when you when you when you think Bond, especially in a more modern context. You think the you think about the watch. You think about the the cool tricks that the watch can do. Uh, laser watch. It's a magnet, magnetic watch. It, it's a homing else? beacon. Homing beacon. It's got a zip line thing that shoots out of it in one of them. I right. I think my personal Grapple. favorite was it was the beginning. What's the uh, more movie where he skis at the beginning? That was uh, The Spy Who Loved Me, I believe. Yes, when he's in the ski lodge with a sexy lady at the very beginning, his watch prints out a message like literally prints a slip of paper out of the watch which i was like that's so dumb because that's not how it works but i thought that was great Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that uh that is like like a like one of those like old-timey store calculator things where you know has like the rolly paper the yeah yeah. i mean it was basically like a label printer it was kind of fantastic yeah um the watch is a pretty powerful gadget um, it reminds me a lot of another Bond gadget. Are we done talking about the watch? Or... Yeah, we'll just keep rolling. Well, okay. I, I think there's another Bond gadget that I would tie it very close with, and that's the attache case. There you go, yeah. From Goldfinger, the attache case. Um, is it, it, does it make it, is it in um, From Rush With Love as well? You know, I was just think. thinking about or was it introduced? That. I think it was introduced in Goldfinger. You know what? I have they my notes. Probably here. had a very similar gadget in From Russia with Love, but I, I uh, have it listed under From Russia with Love. Yeah. Okay. So the the attaché case, uh, another extremely iconic um, gadget of Bond. It was arguably very, very the popular. first. Yeah, arguably the fir- very first gadget that he used. Uh, 
it was a uh, popular toy in the 1960s. A lot of a lot of kids wanted Bond's attaché case because it it had uh, you know little compartments in it. Uh, it was it had some kind of code on it that um, what is it was like a like similar to the watch where it was a homing beacon. I think a lot of little little neat things that went into that attaché case. Um. But I link it to the watch because it's like it just seems to be like one of the first things you think of when you think of like gadgets Bond can use. I mean, outside of the Walter PPK, I mean that's the very original, right? Classic Bond. When when you when you break Bond's gadgets down, it's either like something like a tool he uses or a vehicle, right? Like a vehicle. Yes, he, a lot of vehicles. Uses. I have on my list here the jetpack from Thunderball, which Cor- is yeah. pretty fun, um, and the little Nelly gyrocopter from You Only Live Twice. Mm. Which was an exciting action scene. Yeah. Um, the ejector seat from the Aston Martin in, in Goldfinger. And, and you got to give classic. it up for the, the Lotus of Spirit submarine car from The Spy Who Loved Me. A great yes. toy as well. Mm-hmm. Good looking car. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. I, it, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting how they kind of... I guess they kind of shied away from the car gadgets in the more modern Bond, right? They just he just would drive a cool, very cool car, but not so much like the a, a car that could do stuff. It was just a sleek, like nice looking car. I'm talking about the more mod, like the very modern yeah. like Bond and Craig. I mean, I, I'm I'm sorry, the Brosnan and Craig. I'm trying. Well, Brosnan, I would argue, actually had some of the best cars because he had the remote controlled cell phone, remote controlled car from Tomorrow Never Dies. Which is yeah. still one of my favorite. I love that scene. And of course, the invisible car from Die Another Day. Mm. Arguably one of his dumbest gadgets. Yes. In the history of the franchise. Say, most problematic gadget, maybe. Um, most most laughable gadget, maybe. Well, I've got a few others in my list that are okay. equally as laughable. But I'll circle back to that. In terms of the car, I am trying to think in my head why. Why there aren't as many iconic cars in the later movies? What's the reason? And my my immediate thoughts are two things, which is one, they just don't do a lot of traditional car chases in the Craig Bond movies. Because I think that was done a lot in the earlier movies. It's not as interesting or sexy as some of these bigger action sequences with planes and trucks and explosions. But also part of it, I wonder if it has to do with the idea that these come, I know they had an issue with, was it Casino Royale, which had that great uh, seven-time car flip. They had an issue because the companies that put out these cars, like Lotus and some of these high-end Aston Martin, they, these cars are usually development cars. You can never actually, the Lotus Spirit, you could actually buy. It was a real car. But a lot of these they used in the later movies, they had issues because they were development cars and then they wouldn't even end up actually selling it. And I just wonder if it's become too complicated and expensive because they went through like 20 plus Aston Martins on uh, Casino Royale. So I wonder if it's a cost thing too. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it, it is huge marketing, but you got to weigh the cost of like destroying the car. I, I wonder if they also have problems now with um, like the destruction of the cars themselves. Like I know that a lot of racing video games like um, Gran Turismo and stuff like that have, have the, a lot of companies will like pull like I think that's the whole purpose of um, – I think it's Gran Turismo where like your car can't get it can't get like damaged sure because it it 
it like portrays a bad it portrays like the car is breakable and if you associate in your mind that car with getting smashed up and cracked up and stuff you're not going to buy one maybe yeah, uh, well, I mean, maybe it has something to do with that. You think about the car chase inspector, that car never actually gets damaged. It lands in the river, but at no point is it ever actually crashed into. Right. It doesn't get sawed in half like the one in a in world is not, <laughs> not enough. enough. Right. <laughs> with, with the buzzsaw helicopter, which was a great gadget. Yes. That not was a gadget that Bond uses, but I find it hard to believe that's a real thing in reality. That no, buzzsaw I, helicopter. I, even I remember even when I watched the movie the first time thinking like that that helicopter is only in the movie so Bond has something to fight so like why, else, why else is it in the movie like what, what can it's they're at they're at a caviar plant right what do they need to saw these the, caviar <laughs> well and it's I believe wasn't it introduced earlier in the movie at a logging site where they were removing trees and that was the point of it yeah but it's it, like that seems like a Bad, what, you're going to cut the tree in half vertically? Like, how does that even help? And, and how would the helicopter be able to get close enough to the tree without having to worry about, like, getting clipped by the falling tree? Yeah. That is very it, I, dumb. I don't, I don't think that's a real thing. I mean, I'm not buying it. But uh, I think it's really literally just there so Bond can fight, has something to fight. You can say scene. that about a lot of stuff in these Bond movies. <laughs> you know, it's like when Q goes through the gadgets and you're like, oh, these are the ones you'll use later in the movie. Right. I would love there, to know what gadgets he got and never used. Yeah, I was gonna say I would. I would love to have to have have had one at least one gadget that he gets, and then in the end he's like, "Oh, I never used it. Like I, I forgot about this." He and just returns he, like, it to Q, away, yeah, or just gives it back to him. He's like, "Sorry, this never. I never never came up. Like I literally didn't have an occasion to use this one." I uh, they almost had that. I feel like with the um, I think we talked about this while we were doing these episodes. Um, both of them were pens, pen gadgets. Mm, a lot of pen gadgets. In, um, the uh, Never Say Never Again, when he uses the pen to kill the villain lady, um, in the in the dumbest way, she she wants him to write a, like a love letter before she kills him, and then he he blows her up with the exploding pen because she's he's gonna write the note on the paper oh, that yeah. she somehow has in her pocket. Um, and then the other pen from Goldeneye, which I like that pen, which was I think they worked that in much better. It's a good scene. And the other pen, it was a good scene. But I, I do genuinely believe that a writer thought about it in reverse, which is like instead of saying like, here's the scene where we need a cool gadget, uh, let's 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 like devise a gadget to fit in this scene it was more like we oh this pen idea is really cool let's see where we can fit it in the movie yep and it's like oh this guy's a, a dork he probably clicks pens a lot so let's like but it worked it did I, it was it was just a kind of a backwards thought process i thought um a, a couple other great gadgets that i had in my list we've talked about most of them uh the identigraph from your eyes only, that that the giant computer room that makes those terrible drawn faces from Bond's memory. Yes, I thought that was very silly. Yep, very very of the times. Um, and, and then really, the the drawings were were like horrific. Well, I feel like a sketch artist could in forty five right. minutes could have done a better job. Yes, you just scan it into the computer. Um, I. Of course, the Solex Agitator. The Solex, maybe the best named gadget. 
It's great. And it could be the best gadget because we literally never see it really do anything. And they never really properly explain what it does. No, it's very much just a MacGuffin. A perfect MacGuffin. It's a MacGuffin. Ah, something, something, sunlight, sun energy, whatever. Bond needs it. That's like the main thing. He needs to get it. The villain's got it. He needs to get it from him or the world. The world is at stake. Um, and I and of course, I want to mention the glove box health kit from Casino Royale, which actually I think is one of the more practical gadgets that Bond's ever been given. Yeah, and it works well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was that was an all right gadget. Um, now, I have a lot of bad gadgets. If you've got any other good ones. No, I, I uh, no, go for it. I mean, will we consider Odd Jobs hat a gadget? Well, in my so in my list, cool. I have Odd Jobs hat. I have Goldfinger's laser that he almost cuts Bond in half with, which is neat. I'd say that's iconic, but I don't know if that was like a like a cool gadget. It, it's a laser that cuts things. Like, but it was very yeah, certainly very iconic. Yeah. What about the the garage chair from The World Is Not Enough that Bond's in at the end, and she almost kills him in? Um. Or am I pushing was, the limits? Yeah, that's. Of I gadget. think that's. Inter- it's an interesting one, but we might be getting getting mm. too far out of, too far into the, the the universe here. Which is a better gadget, Odd Jobs hat or Jaws teeth? Odd Jobs hat, because if you ever played GoldenEye for the Nintendo sixty four, Odd Jobs hat is literally an instant kill, and it's cheap, and that's why nobody ever plays is allowed to play as Odd Job because it's cheating. I'm going to agree with you, but only because you can take the hat off. I don't think those teeth come out. No, I don't think they come out either. And I, I think that I, they never properly explain his origin, right? They're like, why does he have those teeth? Like, he's just a dude with like a really tall dude with, with metal teeth. Uh, I think that if they, they, they should have leveled the playing field and they should have, because Jaws is also a playable character in, uh, in GoldenEye. And they should have given him the teeth as a weapon. Then you could you could use that instead of being an arm. People. You could bite people. Yeah, you got to get really close I'd play to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Baron Samdi is in the in the game too. They could have given him like a snake. He runs around and bites people with the snake. I did uh, have on my list here the I don't yeah. remember the name of the villain, but the uh, saw on a yo-yo from Octopussy. That was oh sure. That was yeah. weird. That was neat. Didn't mm-hmm. understand that. Uh. I think somebody yo-yos were were getting to be really popular. That's uh, true. They were they've been really popular and they were an established toy. They thought maybe they could sell a uh, a bunch of them. Maybe. I don't know. Um but I was I think it is that is kind of clever. Like is having it? that as a as a weapon. I I think it is. Well, I it wouldn't just clever. a gun be better. Well, who would have who would have thought like, oh, this yo-yo can be a weapon? I don't know. Like a lot, a lot there's not a lot of movies that have that. But again, just like shoot James Bond with a gun. I, I, admittedly, it wasn't for the show, but I found out all the Austin Powers movies are on Netflix. And so mm. I started rewatching some of them, which oddly enough, I thought some scenes were better than I remembered and some scenes were worse than I remembered. But one of my favorite bits is when Seth Green as Dr. Evil Son is like, you know, they're going to like, and now I'll leave you up on this platform. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. you'll die. We're going to close the door. And Seth Green goes, why don't I just go to my room and get a gun and we can get shoot him together? Like, why are you waiting? Yeah. Like, I, I, like, it's right over there. I'll just go get the gun and we can just shoot him. And I'm like, very yes. clever. Very good. Yeah. 
It's frustrating. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you on this ex- like this extremely slow moving platform. Yeah, and not watch you die. And not and just, just assume it was done. Just assume that it was taken care of. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. But we can just yeah, shoot right. him. I go. Very <laughs> true. Best best. Um, I mean, the classic case of that was the Goldfinger. Do you expect me to talk? No, I expect you, you to die. die. Um, but I think that that probably happened in in almost every Bond film. The the, uh, the the slow. Oh, I wrote more than once in my notes. How does Bond keep staying alive? I mean, it's frankly frustrating. Uh, some mm. of my bad gadgets. Yeah. Include uh, the fake nipple from Man with the Golden Gun, which I'm calling We're, a gadget, even though. You're it's... Call, uh, yeah, I mean Q Q literally issues it to him, so yeah. I think that is a gadget and a bad one. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it doesn't work. It's one of the only gadgets that like totally fails where because he he has it and then they all know it's him they all know it's bond but in order to lure him into the trap they they want to go they go along and pretend like they they think he's scaramanga yep what a dumb idea that movie sucks um i have two from diamonds are forever and you might argue they're not gadgets but technically wikipedia calls them gadgets and i thought they were too funny to not include on this list but um la bombay surprise the cake is that the, fr- is that the cake? The explo- I was going to say the, the exploding Mr. cake. Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid and their exploding cake. Okay. Technically a gadget, I guess. And then also in the movie, the um, when it's the cassette tape that's running the laser, um, and Bond tries to swap it out with the world's greatest marching band cassette tape. That's a gadget? Well, but according to Wikipedia, but I read it, I'm like, that's oh. funny. So that's, I had to include that, it. Sorry. Okay. That was pretty funny. I, I, I enjoyed the part where he switches it and then <laughs> she switches it. Back. She switches it right you back. Dumb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I also have to crap on Smart Blood from Spectre, which is just dumb. Yeah, yeah. Smart Blood nanoparticles and other. Yeah, but that was ideas. a big. That's a big science fiction f- science fictiony trope. I know, but they're not. None it's of not this, bought very Bond. But yeah. if you look at all the Bond gadgets, at least they're like somewhat based in a plausible reality. Like you could build a car that turns into a submarine. Sean, there's literally a Bond movie where they confirm that magic okay, and we're gonna, is real. We're going to circle back. <laughs> we're going to circle back to that. The one and then, yeah, voodoo magic. Magic is and is real. And it, it's like implied like, wait. You think this is a real thing? Like I'm still mad about that. In the Bond universe, it's a real thing. I'm still mad about that. That reminds me. Did I ever tell you my Lego movie theory? This is so off topic. No, no. Go. What is it? What is There's a Lego single moment theory? in that movie that ruins it from being a perfect movie for me. I love that movie. I think it's a really solid film. And if anyone hasn't seen it, sorry. I guess it's a spoiler alert. But, you know, towards the end of the movie, when they cross into the real world and you realize it's the kids sort of imagining the situation and Will Ferrell comes in as the dad, which is neat. Oh, yeah, with the craggle. Yeah, and you're like, oh, this whole time it was in the kid's head. It's kind of a beautiful moment. You're like, oh, these characters are really representing how he feels, and you start to make the connection. You're like, oh, this is really neat. And then there's a moment where um, Emmett has, is, is up on the workbench. Oh, he falls off the table. But he moves right? of his own free will. The kid doesn't move him. Emmett's like, oh, I got to try. And then that Lego figure moves on its own, which means it's not in the kid's head. That means it's 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 he's alive in reality. He moves without anyone touching him. Maybe it's like a Toy Story situation where he like is only supposed to move when the kid's not Which around. Is, if they had said 
But these in, toys are real. I would have been fine with that. But you set, spend the entire movie setting up the fact that it's only in the kid's head. And then to blow it with that <laughs> one moment infuriates me to no end. It drives me crazy. Yeah, and it was it was unnecessary too. Yes, you totally could have written around that. And then what a beautiful movie that would have been. Where it's yes. like this big world, this awesome world was created in this kid's head and he gets together with Will Ferrell at the end and everyone's happy. Right, because he wants to keep everything in place. He doesn't want to, right, Will Ferrell doesn't want to play, have the Right, he wants to glue it. everything down and so have like no imagination. A bottle. Yeah. Right, right. And the kid and wants to create crazy it. things. There was a lot of, I think there was a lot of potential with that idea. Like, Will Ferrell could have wanted it that way because, like, of a traumatic experience where he wanted things to be frozen exactly as they were so he could go back and look at it but the kid wants to be He's you know their kid, toys yeah. wants to play with them yeah no that was i agree with you amazing movie love them i'm still never mad really at that thought it, didn't give that enough um i don't think i gave that enough thought and now that i did i'm sorry that i did our theme song comes from that movie it does our our, our theme song originates from yeah the lego movie I definitely got the rights for that yep um all right, Matt. Have you seen the sequel yet? Have you seen Lego Movie not, 2? No. I haven't either. I think but. that's got to be one of the like biggest first movies and least interesting second, like that nobody cared about movies. Yeah. Of course, yeah, they waited like five years good. between them, which well, is they also crazy. Made, right. They made, they made the Ninjago movie. And the Batman, Lego the Batman. Batman. Lego Batman movie. Yeah. Which I never saw any of those. I, I heard saw Lim like Jock the first. Bad. I saw the first third of the Batman movie and did not enjoy it. Hmm. Yeah, I think that he the the character works as a side. Well, it's it's not even that. Thing. It just seemed to me like at least in the first third of the movie that they had enough material, good material for like a forty five minute movie, and had to stretch it so long to fill a you know ninety minutes or whatever that it just felt very light. Like there really wasn't anything to it. Yeah, um, we're so off topic, Matt. But anyway, it, does James Bond appear in the Lego Movie at all? I want to say he you know, does. He, briefly maybe that's a good question although he's awfully similar to like a bruce wayne type yeah maybe it is bruce wayne i'm thinking of like somebody in a tux yeah isn't it? that's a good a question like a lego piece I, yeah. I don't think they do a lot because i can't recall seeing james bond in a lot of stuff where you'd see licensed care i don't know how much they license him out he's probably very difficult well i know very, the rights are a tricky. whole thing and... it's a mess yeah it's it's a quagmire I don't so. think we ever talked about my favorite Bond, one of my favorite Bond fun facts, which is to get the rights to, I believe it was Spectre and Thunderball and that whole issue to finally clear it up to mm. get the movie rights or no, I'm sorry, to get the Casino Royale movie rights back. Cause that was the other book that was sort of owned separately. Yes. To get the movie rights back, MGM traded movies with Sony. So Sony gave MGM the rights to Casino Royale. Do you know what movie MGM gave Sony? What what for what rights? I used to know this. I swear I read this somewhere. Wow. Um, I'll just cut right to the chase. You got to yeah. think right around that early two thousands time, right? Spider Man. Lord of the Ri Okay, Spider Man. Okay, I wasn't gonna get that. All right, I thought I thought I had it. I would argue Spider Man. Okay. Not a good trade. So terrible trade, really. Yeah. Like yeah, not a great trade at all. No. Not a great trade at all, um, but um, 
So, what other gadgets? What other? That's my list. Gadgets? That's my. That's, that's it? My, we covered basically everything. I mean, there's a lo- okay. a lot of kind of generic stuff, but how about the uh, how about the X-ray glasses from World Is Not Enough? Oh sure, sure. Or the X-ray desk from You Only Live Twice. The, yeah, I don't remember that one. That- X-ray desk. Yeah, where he had, um, where Bond visited the headquarters of the Japanese company, and Bond had his briefcase, or it was in his coat, and the desk had an X-ray machine on it, so it could. Okay, anyway, <laughs> very unmemorable. Yeah, uh, how about the? I mean, like, if we're on this this train, could you count the massage machine from the beginning of Thunderball as a gadget? Oh, the spinal torsion machine. Spinal I think torsion it's called. machine. Yes, yeah. tries to kill Bond. Awesome. The laser guns from Moonraker. Yeah, those Very are pretty cool. cool. Ahead of their time. Never came back for some reason. Not sure why. No. They developed that technology and then just forgot about it. Because they wanted to compete with Star Wars. And then I think they realized they couldn't. So that was it. <laughs> I have such a love <laughs> for Moonraker. There's just something magic about that movie. It's so yeah. stupid. Uh, that is one thing I, I, I appreciated through doing this by doing this show is that I never realized that as these movies came out, they were directly competing with other genres. So they were they were trying to like usurp other genres. Oh, so like Moonraker with Star Wars, uh, Live and Let Die with black exploitation. Uh, what was it? Uh, man with um, the Man with the Golden Gun and Kung Fu movies. Yeah, it was like directly uh, like competing. Skyfall with uh, Dark Knight. Oh yeah, Skyfall with Dark Knight, and in in the modern context, Casino Royale with the Jason Bourne movies, yep. yeah, and Quantum sure. of Solace, yeah, um, yep. yeah. I, I I think that's that's uh, it's pretty interesting. What was it? Uh, Li- License to Kill had a it was a um, competing with like like that that uh, detective noir genre or that um, like. Well, yeah. Rogue agent kind of. Well, that whole eighties action genre. Right. I mean, you can you put Schwarzenegger or Stallone in that movie, and it fits right in. Yeah, it's of that era. That lone wolf, like I'm gonna, you know, I'm turning my badge and my gun, and I'm gonna do that. Yeah. Yep. I'm gonna do it myself. That's right. So yeah, um, I think that about wraps it up for for gadgets. I right? think so. I think so. We'll move on to what, Matt? Okay, I want to do villains. I really want to get into the villains here. All right. Here. You want to start with the villains or their plans or both? I want to – let's start with the plans. Let's okay. start with the plans and then we'll talk the villains. Because I think I think there are good villains who have bad plans and bad villains who have good plans. So I kind of like to separate them out. Yeah. Did we did we pick a best gadget? Um, do we have to, is that how this works? That works any way we like. But I kind of <laughs> like that idea if each of us pick – because I some of the other ones Personal I actually have like it. rankings of. This one I didn't okay. really rank because there were just so many. Yeah. I think if I enough. had to pick a favorite gadget, I don't even know. Yeah, because each one like kind of serves a purpose at a time. I guess if, if I had to rank it based on the one that I would want to have like on a day-to-day basis, fake it nipple. would be the really cool – yeah, the really <laughs> cool fake nipple. No, it would, be the, it would be the really cool watch. That watch is sick. It could do a lot of cool stuff. Very I don't useful. even wear a watch, but I would. I would wear that watch. Very cool. I'm going to go with the jetpack. I want the jetpack. Yeah. Fly around. That's a good one, too. It'd be so cool. It's legit. Um, all right. Let's talk about some villain plants here. 24 of them, Matt. Yeah. 
I've ranked all 24 because I'm insane. Uh, I don't know if you actually rank them or you just have top and bottoms. I really just have top and bottoms. Okay, so well, like the middle area. Well, then let's start at the bottom. What are your sort of bottom bottom couple? Um, villains plan from the very bottom, like the the dumbest one. Yes. Of all, I thought was the. Um, I'm so excited to hear what you say. So I I have like the the most convoluted, and just the sheer dumbest. Okay. And I think that when you when you look back on it, I think the most convoluted plan of all the Bond movies was was probably, um, like the one that the one that like it really like you had to you had to like sit and think about and and wrap your head around and be like, how do they think this was a was a good idea? I think was the most confusing was probably. Probably the world is not enough, maybe. Like, in terms of, like, all the moving pieces. That's fascinating. I don't know. I thought it was... That one's in my top five best plans. As as best plans? Yes. Really? Well, I sort of looked at the plans in a more broad sense. Not in, like, the how they executed it, but rather more in their overall strategy. And the idea of gaining an oil monopoly by destroying... A major city and the pipelines, I think, is a good plan. Now, how they executed it, not perfect, but I actually think, like, of the plausibility, like, that is okay. a good way to get rich and get away with it. I, I, I understand. All right. To, to clarify, I, I definitely understand the plan itself, but logistically, like, thinking about the logistics of it, they like, you're going to use a nuclear submarine and you're going to destroy, destroy a city to destroy Istanbul. So, but then how does that help you gain control of the oil pipe? Cause it's not like every oil company in the world is there. No, but they had the map where there are four pipelines. Electra owns one and the other three all go through Istanbul. So it would disrupt the pipeline. The other three she doesn't own. So she'd the, be the, the only, sea. the only choice. And nobody would find that suspicious at all. No, you destroyed an you... entire city. And nobody well, why, why would you think it was the pipeline lady? Because the, there's all those like conspiracy people that are out there that would very easily trace it back to her. I don't know about to that. Be like, but that's true of every one of these. Who plans. stands to gain here? She's like the only one that stands to gain here. Fair enough. I don't I don't think it's a perfect plan. I just, you know. Right. I, Renard is like a, is supposed to be like an eco terrorist or just maybe he's just a terrorist. Yeah. I don't know. They established the eco part. He's more like a nihilist, but boy, I don't know. Um, I mean, I can, there are other lazy plans. I can go I through my that, list. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought one of the laziest plans was um, a view to a kill because it was pretty much the same plan as Goldfinger. You just a lot of repeat instead plans. Of, instead of gold, it was microchips. Right, we're going to contaminate, or we're going to like wipe out the supply of microchips and make them unusable. Same thing. They were going to irradiate the gold. Yeah. In the in the gold finger. So oh, no, they totally, I thought it was a lazy plan. It's the same with diamonds are forever and die another day. They're both shooting lasers from space. I mean, you know, they they're, they're not known for being super. I think there are about four movies where you're stealing or smuggling a nuclear warhead. So, um, I, right. you know, there was another one that kind of. I think it was. I want to say Thunderball. 
was that the one where they were going to like shoot down a plane and it was like right on the border between the Soviet between the the Soviet bloc and and the Western Europe. Yeah, what movie was that? You're it's not that one. Um, was it Thunderball? No, you're thinking of Spy Who Loved Me. Yes. No, I'm, that's not true. Hang on, I'm reading my list wrong here. Give me a second. There are a lot of these plans. <laughs> there are a lot of plans. Here we go. Octopussy. That was Octopussy. Okay, but I, I feel like that one was was used a few times. And I think it's, oh, it's absolutely. Well, plan. it was. I mean, it's similar to Thunderball, where they're stealing the warheads, using them for ransom. Um, one of my second worst plan from You Only Live Twice is where Blofeld makes a spaceship to go up and capture the other spaceships to trigger war between the U.S. and Russia. <laughs> Which yeah. to me is, if you can build a spaceship that's better than what the U.S. or Russia is building, there's got to be a better way to use that in your bad guy plan. Yeah, and let's let's talk about for a minute how how would that prevent like that's not going to encourage the U.S. and the USSR to go to war. If anything, it'll encourage them to cooperate against the guy who who shot down both of their rockets. If you want a surefire way to end the Cold War by forcing the two superpowers to cooperate to bring down a common enemy. That's the way to do it, but yeah, I don't think you're really accomplishing what you what you want, what you think you're accomplishing. If you can go yeah. to space like they did in that movie, then go full Hugo Drax and Moonraker and just make your own base up there. Like that, if you're going to space, you might as well be all in. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Now uh, that was an. Speaking of, of Hugo Drax, I thought that was one of the most unique villain plans i agree I, I actually really liked it i actually put it that's in my top three that's my eighth yeah uh the the kind of the superhuman it, it reminded me a lot of a future star trek movie that i don't think had come out at, at that point maybe it had actually maybe they just saw wrath of khan wouldn't and, surprise and me got the idea from that but coming up with a superhuman race and putting them up yeah, in space and releasing uh, the nerve interesting. agent. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, very interesting idea. Agreed. Um, I mean, you got you got license to kill, which is very that's very realistic. It's a realistic plan. The Smuggling heroin and gasoline. Yeah, I think that's a. I don't know if that'd work, but I, you know, it's it's I, traditional. I mean, some of these you look at like for for your eyes only. It's very traditional with the ATAC getting it off the ship. Like it's very basic spy stuff. Even Golden Gun with the Solex Agitator. It's like it's kind of basic. There's no real bad guy super plan. Hmm. What what would what did you put for your number one? Well, let as, me as bad and number one good. Yeah, so for my bad ones, you mentioned uh, I mentioned you only live twice. I also had in my bottom five live and let die. Doctor Kananga dumping heroin to the U.S. to create a monopoly that I don't think would actually work. And even if it did, you should just sell the heroin in the regular U.S. and just make a bunch of money. I don't know why you need a monopoly. Didn't <laughs> like that one. I know my number one worst plan. I don't know if you'll be surprised, Matt. Le Chiffre in Casino Royale. His plan is to recoup his lost money by winning in a poker game. What a stupid idea. <laughs> like, it's honestly like on no level is that a good way to make money is by gambling a poker game, which we learned because he loses. 
Yeah, they don't even establish that he's some kind of like sick gambling addict. No, or that either. he cheats like, or something. Like show him trying to cheat. I guess he tries to poison Bond, but he would have done that because he's Bond anyway. <laughs> would cheat with like a gadget, like like Goldfinger, like the, have an earpiece. There's I don't a know. It, is it, card should, counter. Yeah, I mean you could easily. There are a lot of ways that you could do it. It's just I a, mean. <laughs> It's like, yeah. and, and it's not even like an ambitious plan because it's like, all right, if your plan is to create a giant space laser and you fail, I'm like, well, but at least you shot for the moon. I mean, you tried. This is just, I'm just going to have a poker game. You know what? I Weak. Honestly, I totally overlooked the bad guy plot, like plan for Casino Royale because it's such a good movie otherwise that I just, I didn't let, I guess I didn't let the villain plan even enter my head because it was more of an origin story for the, the rebooted Bond. So I just thought of it more in the terms of Bond, like it's a coming, coming in, coming of age, coming into your own story for Bond. Yep. Um, so I, I just totally ignore the, even though Lashif is a good, I think a good, a u- iconic villain or sure. a unique villain because he weeps blood and all that, and thought the actor did a great job portraying him. But I think you're right; it's a, it's a lame plan. It's a well, terrible plan. And I like villains that have. It's not that a villain has to have a big, exciting plan, but at least have. So it's not a, even really a plan. So the, anyway, that's my bottom. Uh, my top five. Number five, Goldfinger. Irradiate the gold at Fort Knox. While I agree it would be difficult to get a nuclear warhead into the U.S., there's just something really appealing about the idea of irradiating. It's like we're not going to steal the gold. We're going to irradiate it. I kind so of like can't that. Go th- yeah, you, like you can't go near it for basically a lifetime. Right. And I'm like, that's that's clever. Would it work? I don't know, but there is some nice thought behind that. Um, number four, Thunderball, Emilio Largo stealing nuclear warheads and asking for ransom. Again, very simple plan. If they're dumb enough to put real nuclear warheads on test flights, then steal them. Go nuts, and you just ask for money. Like, dead simple. Hard to screw up. I already mentioned Electric King at number three. Number two, uh, 008, Trevelyan and Goldeneye. Use an EMP to destroy London after robbing the banks. Again, what? He's 006. 006, damn it. I get confused. <laughs> he went, Too he many went the wrong days. way, but that's 006. Right. It's a good plan because he didn't have to build the EMP. The Russians already did that. All he had to do was steal the keys. And it's, uh, and it's, yeah. just, and it's I feel, of almost all these plans, that might be the easiest to get away with. Yeah. Because if you EMP London and just essentially destroy London in a way, like they're they're not going to really be able like you can just escape like they're not going to be able to really find you. I think you can because you can do it remotely. Yeah, I was going to say, especially since it's coming from space, like and they're just going to think the Russians did it or they're, you know, mm -hmm. it's pretty if they had just killed Natalia when they had the chance at the original base, they probably would have gotten away with it. Yeah. Yeah, gosh, that movie was real, real Star Wars, like Star Wars in the Reagan sense, not yeah. like the movie sense, but a little bit, a little bit late because it came out in the early 90s. But yeah, the, and, the space the orbital defense grid. And uh, finally, my number one, Matt, we haven't talked about it yet. Can you guess what it is? We haven't talked about the movie at all or the plan at all. It has not come up in this plan discussion. Dr. No. Dr. No! Yeah, I rated that my number one because it's so... Really? Once again, a simple plan. Use radio beams to destroy the rocket launches from an island in a way they can't trace because they're just radio waves. You can't really trace them. Okay. In in the book, 
he's doing it because he's harvesting some kind of plant or some kind of resource on his island. I believe it's manure, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a special type of manure that only grows in in like that part of the world mm-hmm. in that like area. Mm-hmm. And he's he's again wants to monopolize it or something. I, okay, maybe maybe this might be the most confusing for me because what does he stand to gain by by screwing up rocket launches? He works for Spectre. He works for Spectre. So, so Spectre's Spectre's just like the wrench in the machine, right? They're just trying I to think, screw everything up. I think at some point he says something along the lines of "If I hurt the West, it helps the East," sort of thing. I think there's some argument in there like that. But I, I, it's not for like financial gain. It just seems it seems so inconsequential, and it seems like eventually the U.S. government will figure out that this is not the best place to do rocket launches, and will move it somewhere else. But that's what's great about it. It's not high stakes. Like you no, just you're just screwing it's not high with stakes them. at all. It's like it's like okay, so we don't we can't shoot rockets from this island. We'll just go to that island over there and shoot rockets when we're far enough away. Like you don't even have to topple Doctor No. In order to de- to defeat his plan, you just got to move far enough away so that his radio beams can't. But that's okay because your- all he's not trying to stop the space program; he's trying to slow it down. So go ahead and move. By the time you do that, the Russians will be miles ahead of you. They'll be on the moon by then. It's great I don't know when about you look that. at Blofeld. Right, he makes his own spaceship to damage the space program. All Doctor No does is set up a radio tower, and he does so the if, same thing. If NASA is smart enough to build these rockets to go to the moon, you don't think they're smart enough to figure out what is messing them up? Apparently, they couldn't, because Bond had to do it. If Bond had never showed up, they wouldn't have found out. And Bond didn't even know what the what his plan was until he got to the island, because radio waves. You, apparently, according to the movie, you can't trace them they they don't know what the problem is they just know the ships keep the rockets keep crashing and they can't figure it out so and they can't figure it out a long time i agree with that it is a simple plan and i do like i think there is something to be said for simplicity because miley's favorite plans are the most the most convoluted um the ones that i think take the require the most explaining or expounding i think are the, usually the worst plans yeah um but I don't know if I would say it's the best plan. That's okay. It's really at the end of the day, like you're just you're like you're ruining their day. But I don't think you're achieving anything great. But then again, Doctor No was just a henchman. He wasn't really like a he was a top operative with Inspector, but he wasn't like the head honcho of it. You know, he wasn't. Well, like, yeah, I mean, that's true like of a, a lot of he these. He wasn't like a Goldfinger, like a central sure guy. Well, Matt, let uh, me ask you, what's your number one? My number one villain plan um, – I really like Goldfinger. Goldfinger has got to be in my top three, like the irradiated gold, uh, same reason that we that we just talked about. Um, Sean, I really like the uh, villain plan from – there's another one that we haven't talked about yet. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. That is in my bottom five. I love that plan. I think that's a great plan. Uh, let's talk about that. What, what's what's wrong with uh, brainwashing a bunch of women to carry dr- a drug into a country and releasing it into the into the food supply okay. and ruining agriculture? Matt, let me let me break down all the steps that would have to be completed for this plan <laughs> to be successful. Okay. 
Step one, develop a virus that can specifically target a plant or animal class. Number two, somehow locate and convince attractive women who work on or near those plants or animals to come to your weird allergy institute. (laughs) Number three, brainwash all of them into doing whatever you say. Number four, getting them to go back to where they came from. I guess if you brainwash them, maybe that's not so hard. Number five, developing some sort of worldwide communication system. They didn't have cell phones where you can reach out to all of them and convince them to release this virus at the same time, or at least when you tell them to. And by the way, Matt, I don't think it was clear in the movie. Do you know why he's doing it? This plan in the movies? Why he's why he's poisoning the. What what is he trying to gain? I think he just has like a vendetta. Doesn't he like just hate the he West? Wants, he wants something specific, which I didn't even realize till I reread the Wikipedia. Seriously, they Blofeld don't make it very clear in the movie. Is trying Blofeld's trying to? He wants something specific, like an item. Yeah, he's threatening. Or a resource. He's threatening the UN because he wants the UN to grant him a pardon for all past and future crimes. And this is the threat he's <laughs> really? going to use to get it. Yes, I think it's mentioned like super Why briefly I, in the movie. Yeah, because I I think I I totally glossed they don't over focus that. On that. For all past and future crimes. Yeah. So he he would become like it like it like immunity. He would have immunity from. I mean, I guess they the could UN? kill him, but yeah. And I was like, I don't know if the UN even has the legal authority to do that, um, even I if they think, wanted to. Yeah. What. The UN are not the world police. Like right. they're not Interpol or anything. Like I agree. I don't think they be can better stop off appealing someone. to Interpol and like all of the. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't. Really, I point. thought it was just like he was just trying to stir stir shit up, like like regular Bond villains do. I didn't think there was a, a, a type of goal here. Uh, it's just too complex of a plan, Matt. I'm just gonna be Sean, honest. Too, too this complex. is not. This is definitely not. Wait, my it's fun. I I I, po- I just put it out there because I okay. wanted to. I wanted to poke fun at it, right. but. It's it's pretty it is pretty funny. It's pretty insane and it's a good movie plan. But what yeah, what I like about it is that it is I think it is a very Bondian plan because it ma- I think it marries the fiction, the like you know absurdity with like a like a a, a semi realistic semi plausible goal like like the the whole poisoning of a, a a part of a vegetation so that it causes a famine or it causes disease or something that's a very real eco terrorist goal i think i think brainwashing someone to commit terrorism is somewhat plausible that too yeah um, either through hypnosis or just through constant messaging i mean that's suicide bombers today are are not far off from that Right. I think, yeah, it, it's a good, it's a good, good mix of the two with something that's so bananas left field that is, is, can only happen in the Bond world. Yep. Um, no, but I, I, if I, if I had to pick another Bond villain plan that I really liked, it's, uh, it's Tomorrow Never Dies. Um, I Elliot didn't Kerber. like it when we, when we talked about the plan, I did, when we talked about the movie, I didn't really like care for it. Um, but I read the Wikipedia page. I understand the plan now, and I and I think it's it is a very good plan. It is very unique to the Bond uh, like movies. Like nobody's tried to do anything like it in any other Bond movies, as far as I can tell. Trigger a Try, war like trying other to start a, do that. Trying to start a war by using media. That element's interesting. I don't think they land it that well. Like I think it could have been more interesting. 
I I like the rev- the reveal of the plan. Yeah. Like uh, you know, we're gonna print all these newspapers, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be rich because I'm gonna be I'm gonna have exclusive rights to, to like the moment. I think it is very prescient to like. I agree. The news, the news world today. But it's it's... like I'll have the first the first scoop. I will be ahead of everybody else by miles, and I will like the war will be covered. Very yellow journalism. I like, agree, the war but will be covered from my my eyes, like my news news company. But do I have to do another walkthrough for you of how many steps it would take for this plan to be successful? Yeah, but are we are we basing these on how realistic the plan is, or no? How, but they have to be good semi how good semi realistic. I would say this is this can be pretty realistic. Go through your steps. Step one, acquire a large chunk of worldwide mass media. Number two, launch a global satellite network. Number three, steal a stealth ship. Number four, build an underwater drill you can control. Step four, use that (laughs) drill to steal a missile from a British ship. Number, what number am I on? Number six, partner with a rogue general in China. Number seven, and this is assuming the plan works, use that missile to, oh, then you have to steal the GPS encoder. Steps eight, move the ships into the wrong location. Step nine, convince, shoot the missile at the ships and convince them there's war. Step 10, the British have to then bomb, or no, Elliot Carver is going to blow up all the, the, the Chinese government meeting and kill everyone except for the guy he's partnered with. Step 10, or step 11, um, get his general in charge. Step 12... Get broadcasting rights in China. There's a lot of steps. Come on. There's a lot of steps, but it's a Bond movie. Like I, I think it's a good, it's a good movie, it's a good villain plot for a movie. Obviously, it'll never happen in real life. No, That's why I, it's a movie. I know it's it's not that bad, but it's just it's just funny to me how because like he's a really rich dude, he couldn't bribe his way into this seriously. Well, it's it's just like with Honor Majesty's, like why not just steal a plane and and shoot the poison out like from a crop duster onto a bunch of plants. Like, like in Goldfinger. Just called Pussy Galore right. and her flying circus. Right. Right. Why why couldn't you just do that with a bunch like that, that's you brainwash the Pussy Galore group from Goldfinger to shoot this poison out of a jet. Like why why do you go through all the trouble of of like building this women army mm-hmm. that are going to go back to their home countries and and introduce this poison it, it, yeah, convoluted it very much is. It's it's the old kiss, Matt. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, I think that Doctor No's plan is looking better and better because it was very very easy. Le, Le Chiff has understand the simplest plan, and it's a very dumb and it's, plan, and it's the worst one. So right? going to win a bunch a of money on a, on a on a poker, poker game. game. It's not. Come it's on. Texas Hold'em. They're they're in like a fancy <laughs> casino. At, I'll just play some Texas Hold'em. At no point do they prove he's good at poker. Drives me crazy. Uh, all right, Matt. Let's, in the sake of time, move on and talk about the villains themselves. Yeah, let's Our do that. Our top and bottom villains, uh, all 24 of them here. You want me to start or would you like to start? Yeah, you go ahead and, and, and begin with all right. top and bottom. My bottom five. Here we go. From the okay. best of the five. Number 20, Dr. Kananga, live and let die. He's fine, but he's not interesting or memorable. Number, well, actually, I don't agree with that. I'm going to rearrange some of these now. Um, I'm going to step in about Dr. Kananga here. Okay, sell me on it. I think that 
and this comes from from the source material, the book that I read, um, the uh, the some kind of hero, the mm-hmm. book that you that you gave me, That's right. um, gifted me. Um, the actor who played Doctor Kananga had a beef with a lot of people on set. Mm-hmm. Did not get along with interesting. Um, so I I think that he I was I wouldn't say that he mailed it in, but he definitely was not. I don't think was at his best when he acted in, in the movie. He had, he had many personal issues with a lot. A lot of it had to do with racism, yep. but a lot of, a lot of it was, was um, where they filmed and how the movie was portrayed. That's fair. And, and he was, he was lied to actually a lot of steps of the way by writers, but, but um, anyway, he, I, I think that the villain, if you read, if you read the book, I've, it's one of the two books that I bond books that I've read. I read that one in Dr. No, mm-hmm. Uh, I think his plan in and 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 himself he, he comes across as a very good villain in the book, so I think that maybe not saying that that it's all the actor's fault necessarily, but maybe if they had gotten somebody else to play him. By the way, fun fact: Did you know that he and Baron, the actor who plays Baron Samdi, mm-hmm. um, were actually childhood friends? Oh. And they did not know they were working on this movie together until they both arrived on set. Oh, that's dope. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's pretty cool. They they lived like down the street from each other. Wow. Uh, Small world. Yeah. So um. So yeah, that was cool. So, um, I don't know. I I wanted to defend no, Dr. Kananga totally slash Mr. Big. Yes. Because I think he he comes across as a much more dynamic villain in the book. Yeah, the movie's not fair to him. Yeah. I I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I still got to knock him down for that. Uh, I'd also say uh, General Orlov slash Kamal Khan from Octopussy. Again, mostly just not memorable. Um, down there, Dominic Green from Quantum of Solace. I think he's just a wimpy villain. Actually, I rated his plan pretty high. Because I think stealing a country's water and then forcing him to pay exorbitant amounts of money for it is a pretty good plan. Um, but I just think he's a wimpy guy. And then my absolute worst, my absolute bottom is... Blofeld from Spectre. Okay, I was going to ask you got it. You need to specify. <laughs> I've got which, all, which Blofeld. I've got yeah. four Blofelds on this list. Okay, so Blofeld from Spectre, you'd yes. say, is the worst. I think interesting. Because so, he didn't an interesting do one. crap. He was useless. He wasn't interesting. He was bar- he. I felt like he was barely in the movie. Interesting. I would challenge so, you. To, I really don't think there's anyone worse. Of a Bond villain? Of a Bond villain. And I feel pretty confident in that, actually. All right. I'm 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 just gonna throw out my words. Please do. Was, I, I didn't think about this for very long, Sean, but <laughs> but I think we have a we have a winner. Uh I, I went with I went with um Mr. Wit and Mr. Kid from from Diamonds Are Forever. But see, to, they're not really the main villain of that, that movie. Yeah, but they're villains, and I think that they're crappy. But I think the Blofeld in that movie, who really is the could, key villain. Okay, all right, you're right. Main villains, because we could have also gone with Bambi and Thumper from the same movie. Yes, that who, will come up in the Bond Girls discussion. At all. No, Mr. Wit, Mr. Kid, and by the way, I rep for Wit and Kid because they're awesome. They're they're so odd. But that's and, what's great about them. They make no. They, they it feels like they stumbled out of another movie into this movie <laughs> yeah, by yes, accident. It does yes, it does. They were just around that day on the set. Right. So I yeah. love that. But I agree with you there. But but again, Bambi and Thumper are the same way. There are a lot of B characters that are All right. very odd. 
Fair enough. I all right. Main villain that I that I didn't. According I didn't to Wikipedia, like. there's also Wikipedia lists James Bond villains, and they list who the primary villains are. So that's where I use. That's why I use. There's for my all, list. yeah. There's always a, a main villain. Um. All right. I want to go with a. I'm going to go with Blofeld from Diamonds Are Forever. I liked that Blofeld. Actually, he's he's my second favorite. There, I think there's a Blofeld that's worse than him. He's he's cloning he's cloning people, but I think and, the actor is really good. Who I okay, whoever played we, him, I think I'm the performance about the villain. is good. The actor is really good. I agree, but the the villain himself, I I just I think that's the movie where he gets kind of ruined for me. Well, let's talk about the four Blofelds, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about Blofeld Inspector, Blofeld right. in um, Diamonds Are Forever, the Blofeld in You Only Live Twice, right, and then. Tully Savalas, Blofeld, and On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Who I think was was the best Blofeld. He's actually my number one villain. Yes. Yes. He I, is my I, number one I, villain. I, I like that. I, I think He's you not have my to, number one villain, but I, I thought he was fantastic you, in that You movie. have to... I, I, it's just like... I feel like it's one of those things you have to put Blofeld first, and of the Blofelds, he was the best. Yeah. It's also, I think, is that the, that, that's that gotta be where they got a lot of the Dr. No, Dr. Um, oh, ton, a ton of it. Dr. Evil. Dr. Evil. Thank yeah. you. The, they, yeah. He, I would that say, is I would say that's the Evil. iconic Blofeld performance. Yeah, I would agree. I, I really liked him um, in terms of best villain. I didn't, the, for, for, remind me the for your eyes only Blofeld, what his, uh, you mean the uh, you only live twice? I'm sorry, you only live twice. These movies sometimes they blur together. Oh my god, I had to research so much. So oh, okay, all here. right. You only live twice. Blofeld is the rocket volcano. Blofeld. Yes. Yes, and and he um, who's fine. Instead of just killing Bond, he's like, we're gonna put you on this rocket. Like, or no, he's Bond is trying to sneak. He on takes the him off the rocket. He takes him off the line. Yeah, but I, you could also argue that's killing. that's one because that is the. F- first time we really see him on screen he's mentioned in the previous movies but that's the first time you see him right. on screen he's, he's got like the scar the he's got the cat mm-hmm. so that might be more iconic perhaps uh in the establishment of the character sure because we always we always do give we always do give the bond actors like a movie they usually take between two to three movies to get situated and get uh comfortable in the role so maybe it's the same we can exchange even though they're different actors but yeah the character, flesh out the character of, of Blofeld. Um, what are some other, some other bad villains? You know, I thought oh, like, yeah, go ahead. I was, I was going to go for, um, I was going to go for the villain in Octopussy. Yeah, General Olav and Kamal Khan who right, kind of split you, yeah, that. You, you, you did, you did. You yeah. mentioned that one. Uh, oh, um, the Living Daylights. Yes, pretty, I agree. Pretty unremarkable. Koskov yeah. and I. I know. I thought the Brad Whitaker character at least mm-hmm. was over the top and interesting, but I think the villains are the least interesting part of the Living Daylights. Yeah. Unfortunately. No, because that was a great movie. Otherwise. Oh, it's some of the best action. I think uh, Timothy Dalton's excellent in it, um, but it's. So not about the villains. No, very very generic villains. Yeah, and and it's another recycled. It's a recycled plan. Yep. From from a previous one. Yep. Where they're gonna they're gonna try to do something to heighten the Cold War, right? They're gonna steal nukes or something and set one off in 
Eastern what, in, Europe. In daylight? I th- I want to say, isn't that the plan? No. We're going to set off a nuke in East, like like somewhere that's on the border. Between, this, is, this, this is the am, second am gonna... time you've taken that plan and applied it to the wrong movie. Uh, no, that's Octopussy. That yeah, they do that. And they also do it in Living Daylights? No, Living Daylights is where they it. go to the Middle East, where Whitaker was going to get opium in Afghanistan or whatever country they were in, and Kuskoff was going to get weapons from Whitaker. It was like a, it was just like a traditional oh, yeah, drug I am, weapons deal. I am getting deal. the mixed up. I am getting it's not, it's not an interesting. Because has plan. a lot of India, right? Yes. There's a lot of Bond goes to India in that yep. one. Okay, and then this one they go to the Middle East. Yep. They go to Afghanistan yep. specifically. Okay. Yeah, it, uh, not a great. I didn't think they were great. They were not. They were not memorable at all. No, no, no. no. They I were agree. just two ro- ro- Soviet generals, two Russian generals that were just very generic. Yeah. Nothing iconic about them. No. Probably my least favorite in the series. What about some of your favorites, Matt? Let's get into it. Oh, I really liked, in no particular order, I really, really liked um, the lady villain from from Russia with Love. Colonel Kleb? Colonel Kleb, yeah. Who's in really my liked her. who's in my bottom five. No, I like I thought she was great. She has those knife shoes, classic. But it's again, it's just a boring character. No, she's, she's just got, a, she's again. You angry. just said it. You just said she's like a angry. generic military person. No, but she's not though, because she's a lady, and she's angry. She gets very angry at Bond nah. and and him messing with her plans. You're not like, going to sell me on that one. Sorry, unfortunately, <laughs> I'm not buying it. But I appreciate I your thought. Great. I think. I mean, what other what other movie has that? I mean, there's so great many movie. better villains than her. Well, yeah, best. They, she's in the middle of the pack. They borrow. They borrow her character for uh, Austin Powers as well. That is have, true. I didn't think about that. That is true. Yeah, so she must be iconic because she's in that. So boom. Okay. Can't argue Gosh, with that. Great. You got me there. Uh, another worse. Or no, we're doing good now. We're yeah. on the good ones. Uh Another good Bond villain. I really like Alec Trevelyan from GoldenEye. Awesome. Sean Bean kicking ass. Really, He's great. Really did a great job uh, at portraying a Bond villain. Um, really, really had a great story. They fleshed out his background in a great way. And, and to some extent, all of the other villains were pawns of him that he was using, which I thought was so cool, especially because like, he's not part of an institution like Spectre. He 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 is his own institution. It's not like part of Spectre or Quantum. He's like his own man, but he's also controlling all these things. He's Janus, well, the two-faced man. What I love about it is, to me, he's – I can think of maybe two or three others, the most realistic villain. I'm like, this guy could exist in the real world. Like, he plays him very straightforward. I would argue um, another character that's like who is in my top five is Sanchez from License to Kill who I think is a really good villain, compelling to watch, very interesting. And I'm like, that could Terrifying. be a real drug dealer and guy he, he, from he is. South America. He is a, like, hands down, there are drug dealers in South America oh, sure. that are, are him. Yeah. That are ruthless and and, and vicious. Yep. Just terrifying like him. Yeah. Great villain. Great performance. Um, I want to just go back to Trevelyan. Yep. Where, I mean, I don't know if he loses points for this, but there there was that moment in the statue park where – he shoots Bond with the tr- closing time, James, last call, and he shoots him with a tranquilizer dart. Yeah. And he could have just shot him for real. Yeah, but Matt, then the movie would have been like 40 minutes. Then the movie would have been over, yeah. And then there would be no more Bond. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, that, I mean, in that part, maybe they could have maybe they could have had him shoot him for real, but then he doesn't end up dying from That's the bullet. That's the thing; wound. they don't do a lot of that. They do it with Daniel Craig in um, Casino Ro- Skyfall. Where he gets shot? No, yes. it's Casino Royale. I think where you're talking about with the poison. No, no, no. It is Skyfall. It is Skyfall. It is yeah, the beginning. He gets shot yeah. and survived, but they don't do yes. a lot of that. No, they don't. They don't because I don't know why though because. It's not because like getting shot doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to die. Matter of fact, there are a lot of cases where people survive from being yeah, shot. Yeah, although to be fair, Bond is usually right. being shot at by high-powered machine guns or missile launchers or other crazy right things that that guarantee instant death. But that moment, I don't know. I I I didn't like that part where he he just is the classic villain. Like I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to yep. toy with you, and that's no, my instead downfall. I, instead, I'm going to put you in this helicopter and have missiles fire at. From the helicopter, but back right, a helicopter with ejector seats for some reason. Other, uh, yeah, helicopter with ejector seats, right? Made for Bond to escape because this is a villain plot in a Bond movie. Um, my favorite villain of all time, Sean. Bring it on! May not surprise you. I keep it classic. Um, with Goldfinger, Auric Goldfinger. He was in my top three. Yes, my favorite Southern gentleman. Mm Mm-hmm. Just. Uh, he, 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 he exudes like Bond villain. I I like that he is easily frustrated and easily like, like, like that whole, a lot of, a lot of the Goldfinger is, is a lot of, from the very beginning, it's very Warner Brothers esque where it's like Bond is Bugs Bunny and, and he's Elmer Fudd. Good. Like he grabs the earpiece and he's talking to like, he gets frustrated and he gets flummoxed, but he's also dangerous and deadly at the same time. He kills all those people at the meeting. Yep. He tells them all his plan and then murders all of them. Like that's still – he's a villain. He's a cold-hearted villain, but Bond just keeps just messing with him at every turn like like Wile E. Coyote and, Roll, and Roadrunner. And a, I like that. A, a great example of, of, again, another plausible villain where I'm like this dude seems somewhat realistic. Like he would not surprise me if you're like – Oh, and then he went on to run for Congress. I'm like, he seems like he'd make a good Congress person, you know? Um, yeah, I think he's. I think the performance is really great in that. Again, we we almost never have American villains in these franchises, and I think he, he's a good example of why we should have more because um, uh, I think it is a really unique performance amongst all these other villains. Right, him, Christopher Walken. Yeah, Max Zorin. You to a kill was was an American villain. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. I th- I'm looking yeah, at the I list of so. all the villains. That's the only one on here I see. Dominic Green, was he British? What He's movie? so uninteresting. I can't remember what he sounds like. <laughs> oh, um, from what Quantum. About the, oh, the Quantum. Oh, God. Dominic Green. I He must have been British. I think he was British. Mm-hmm. I think he was. And what about. Um, oh, Brad Whitaker. Brad Whitaker. I was just going to say from the general. Living Daylights. From so, Living Joe Don Daylights. Baker, so good. They brought him back for, uh, for, for, yeah. Jimbo. Jimbo. Hey, Jimbo. Yeah. Um, yeah. A great one. Uh, the only other one you haven't mentioned that I have in my top couple is uh, Raul Sylvia from Skyfall. And uh, as a top villain? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I, yes. I don't think he's, I think he's a little lame at the end of the movie, but I think that, as I mentioned last week, that 45 minute chunk in the middle where he's really getting stuff done, I think he's Ama- that scene where he's locked 
in that glass prison thing and he takes out the teeth and he does that little speech to Judy Dench. I think it's awesome. I think he's great. Yeah. That was Academy Award winning performance right there. Awesome. Yeah, he he did a he did a really good job there. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um honorable mention for worst villain. Yeah. I think we we've we kind of talked about this when we did the movie, but Renard from World is Not Enough, like they they give him that whole and I think it's a lot of it is writing because they give him that whole impervious to pain what a weird aspect and they never use it. They only he use punches it a table once. Right. He punches the table and says, I feel nothing. Uh, is holding the hot stone, says, I feel nothing. They, the fight with Bond on the submarine dies, says, I feel nothing. And then he's dead. But yeah, why, why there were so many things you could have done with that aspect and they just don't they just don't use it. Well. On the flip side, though, you liked Electric King from that movie, though, didn't you? I liked Electric King, but yeah. I, not Renard. No. The Renard part, I, I think they. I mean, she was. He was essentially just her uh, lapdog, pretty much. Like he was very much a pawn in her plan. Yep. But um, there were other things about World Is Not Enough that I enjoyed. Um, but. Like right. Christmas Jones, who I who I I think was one of the most underrated Bond girls. Just well, gonna say. Then what an amazing pivot over to our <laughs> next discussion, which is Bond girls. Now, Matt, we agreed out of respect for these women to not rank them, which I did right. not, but I did highlight some of my favorites and least favorites. Um, any particular? You want me to begin? You want to begin? Mm, all right, you started the last one, so uh, I think. When when I think about like worst Bond girls, sure, to me are the ones that don't live up to like they they start out. There are two that I can think of, and I don't think the either of these are surprises that start with so much potential and then and then fizzle out by the end of the movie or become become either unimportant or detrimental to their to their character and to the movie, mm-hmm. and that would be. Uh, Diamonds Are Forever's, La, um, Tiffany, Tiffany Case. No, yes. Tiffany Case from yep. Diamonds Are Forever and Jill um, St. John. Jill St. John, who plays her, yes. Uh, gold, uh, Man with the Golden Gun. Um, Dr. Goodnight. Dr. Goodnight. Goodnight. Sorry, Goodnight. Or no, yes. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm getting confused. Dr. Goodhead is. Well, there's good. That's not the same movie, is it? <laughs> I think it is. No, because there's Good Night who works for MI6, and then there's Doctor Goodhead. I don't think and there are two is a separate doctor. characters. I don't think that's got to be that's got to be from Austin Powers, right? That's no, not a real no, no. Doctor Goodhead absolutely is <laughs> no, Doctor Holly Goodhead, mm-hmm. who was in Moonraker. She was in Moonraker. Oh, I'm sorry. That You're is the, not who I'm talking. Good Night is from Golden Gun. Good Night. Yes, yes, Dr. Good – or just Good Night. Good Night. Do, do you yeah, not like, that was kind of her code name of sorts. Because, I mean, they 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 start off as trying to establish them as – and I think I think Diamonds does this worse, does this like even more egregiously. They they tried – they establish them as, as, as good, positive, powerful, strong female leads. And then somewhere along the line in the movie, they get eclipsed by Bond – and Bond's masculinity, and they 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 like f- 
in 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 Golden Gun, she falls to the background. In Diamonds, she just becomes a blithering idiot. The way that they wrote her is is just like she just becomes like a fool that that can't do anything yeah, right. Yeah, what a shame. That actively actively sabotages Bond's plan with her own her own idiocy. And and I and I hate that. I think it's this poorly written. Which is funny character. to me about Diamonds because. Tiffany Case isn't even the worst Bond girl in that movie, which is shocking because we are later introduced to Bambi and Thumper. But they're not they're not Bond girls. To they're me, just they're, henchmen. So I have my A-list and I have my B-list Bond I would girls. Not, I would not count them as, as Bond girls. They're B-list Bond girls. They're, they're, they're women that appear in a Bond movie, but I think to be a Bond girl, you have to be like either a, a love interest of Bond or a like yeah, an agent that is moving the plot forward so in, in the movie like you are you're either the villain that betrays bond or you're the or you're the the ally of bond they they're just they are just i think they're just henchmen so then let me let me challenge you on that the world is not yeah. enough electric king dr christmas jones who's the bond girl they're both bond girls but dr Doctor Jones is tr- is the true Bond girl. Like they always set up one that is close to him in the beginning, and she either dies or turns evil. Mm. Then you got the second one, who either dies or turns evil, and they're both kind of interchangeable. And then you got the third one that stays true to him and lives, and and is the one that Bond gets with in the end. That's like the format of all these older Bond movies. I think they kind of follow that 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 paint by numbers but yeah. um i would say that they are both bond girls because they have they have large roles in the movie sure and and in the in the story mm-hmm. but i yeah i don't know about bambi and thumper i would say they're henchmen because like would you say that odd job is the main is like a villain he is a villain but is he the main villain of goldfinger no he's a henchman no but i guess the question is can there be more than one bond girl in a movie and i would argue yes yes. i would say yes because a bond girl to me is a broad like again i'll i'll throw in tomorrow never dies way lynn arguably the bond girl but paris carver also plays us an important role in the movie had a past relationship with bond i would say they're both bond girls yes both of them qualify as bond so, paris carver dies yes they both they can't both live in the end there's yes. got to be one that dies or turns evil and then one that lives and stays true to bond same with die another day um, jinx and miranda frost same idea yeah exactly exactly so that's my pick for the two worst. Okay. Um, if I had to say two best, or do you want to do your two worst? Well, let me, I, you know, I think my, my worst are somewhat obvious. Um, I like Tiffany Case a lot more than you do. I agree the movie doesn't do her justice, but I do think Jill St. John is good in that role. And I think for a good chunk of the movie, it's interesting. For a movie set in Las Vegas in America... I think it's it's okay to have gone there with her. So we'll disagree a little bit. I get your position, but I stand by. I actually think she's not bad in that. I guess I, ju- I just wish that they gave her one moment of redemption. Redemption in yeah. the end. I agree. Where if, if they're gonna if they're gonna play it up for for yucks that she's an idiot, like give her one one part of redemption where she like saves Bond, well, where she like rescues him, and, and or like. 
like somebody like in Thunderball, where where Domino, where some where where the the villain is about to kill Bond, and Domino kills the villain and saves Bond's life. Like, why couldn't they just do that for for her? Well, my favorite Especially example they work her up in the beginning. My favorite example of that thing in all of media is in The Office, where Michael Scott is always an idiot, but when he goes to talk to Ryan at business school. At the end of that episode, he spends a whole episode being a complete moron. But at the end, he says, "It business isn't about what's the it, business. It's about the people." I don't remember the exact line. It's much better than what I said. But that's the moment you're like, maybe Michael Scott isn't a complete idiot. Maybe he actually does know what he's doing. I always like yeah. that example. Yeah. What does he say? It's not about the books or something. It's not about the grades or. Yeah, but he goes. It's about and you'll and you'll never understand that. Or some he says something like that. It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's handing out the candy bars and stuff. Yeah. Um. But anyway, off topic. Interesting. Um, my bottom uh Bond girls uh good night from Golden Gun. I gotta I gotta include her down there. I'm gonna give an honorable mention to Paris Carver who was not good. Um, and I thought Mayday from A View to a Kill was kind of a waste of a Bond girl. Um. She, oh, she see, she's in my top. She's in my top nah, three because she doesn't do anything. She's like she's strong, but she barely talks. When you get she, a great she actress wasn't, like she that, she wasn't. Yeah, she wasn't. They did. They got a great actress, but they wasted. They, but to Grace be fair, Jones. they wasted Christopher Walken in that role too. So I think it was just good people in a bad movie. Unfortunately, maybe maybe it was. Maybe I'm just looking at it from the wrong way. I, I thought she was excellent. I just don't think that they gave her enough opportunity. No. They didn't give her enough speaking, speaking roles, really no speaking parts. Yep. Um, um, but, but, but as a, I mean, as a character, she's, uh, she is very strong and very positive and she saves bond again, sacrifices her own life to save bond. Not many bond, bond girls in the franchise do that. That's true. Um, so, but honestly, there weren't really many I didn't like, to be honest. I, I, this was no. probably the one I struggled the most to come up with negatives on, because some were better than others, but very few were straight up bad. No, I agree. The, the two that I mentioned, I think, are the only ones that I have qualms with, Yeah, which is why I put them out there. Um, what do you think of, you got Jill Masterson from Goldfinger, You seems to be a divisive one sometimes. Jill Ma- well, to me, it's just like a, uh, it's an honorable mention, Jill and, Jill and Tilly Masterson, the Masterson sisters, may they rest in yeah. peace. <laughs> um, yeah, she's fine, but that movie is so redeemed by one of my favorite Bond girls, which is Pussy Galore. Oh, yeah. Who's awesome. She is awesome. It is not okay what Bond does. No. To, to her and most of these women. Most, to be cl- to be clear. Not okay, but but a very good a very good actor, very well well played Bond a Bond girl, and uh, a very good yes, I agree, very very like good independent Bond Bond woman, very cool. Um, my favorite Bond girl, I, I and again I don't think it's going to be a surprise if you if you listen to our our show, but. Uh, a spy, the spy who loved me, um, the Bond girl from the Spy Who Loved Me, I thought was 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 tremendous. Anna, Anya, um, um, Amasova. Thank you for jumping in there because I totally yeah. did not remember her name. <laughs> I was just to call her the 
Triple X, they usually call or double X yeah. or something. No, it was Triple X. Triple X, yes, is her like code name. And they, they usually refer to her as Triple X in the movie. Um I thought she was great. I'm surprised. As, uh, I'm surprised you picked her. She's my favorite. You thought I was gonna go Christmas Jones? No, nobody, nobody's favorite is Christmas Jones. She's not my favorite. You no. can't say, you know, good or bad. She's nobody's favorite. No, I, I think Triple X is my favorite because she is truly Bond's equal, like, throughout that entire film. And and I don't think she she takes it. There's no, like, she fixes the car. She she knows what Bond, she's intelligent. She's Bond's equal. She's Bond's, like, Soviet parallel yeah. throughout the whole movie. I think it works in the story of the movie well. I don't think she's my favorite actress to ever be a Bond girl. Um, oh, no, I'm not talking about actress. I guess this is a difference where yeah, I'm talking about the Yeah, we're disagreeing a little bit. Yeah. But, but no, I, I agree with you. It's great. It's honestly a great character. Mm-hmm. See, I thought you were going to pick a different one. Do you know who I, who, who I think you were going to pick? Halle Berry? As Jinx, no, as, as Jinx? that's terrible. That that Bond girl is awesome. She's only she only is allowed to talk in quips. Yeah, yeah. Hallmark wrote her wrote her character. <sighs> so I such a shame because she could have been so great. Um, no, of course I'm talking. You won't. I guarantee you won't even realize what movie it's from. Uh, Melina Havelock. Is that the character or the actress? That's. <laughs> That's the character. If it makes you feel any better, it was played by Carol Bouquet. That doesn't make me feel better at all. No, no. For your eyes only. Her parents get killed on the ship. She has the crossbow. Oh. Works with oh, Bond. No, she's, yeah, she's up there. I I, I would probably place her in the top five. Because she's the yeah. only civilian Bond girl who kicks ass. True, which she's I not like. trained or anything. Yes, the she's on the Greek islands, right there. Yep. Yes, yep. She's really cool. Um, yeah, I I, I would definitely put her up there as, as she does kick ass. Yeah, but that movie was very plot heavy. That and a lot of the plot I think didn't have to do with her. It had to do with Bond solving mysteries and well, but going I, around the Greek islands. But she, yeah. no, you're right. She does. She knows the culture. And that helps. She Bond contributes to the movie. She's very helpful, and yeah, and especially that's towards like. the end, where it's him and her and the other guy, who you think is the villain at the beginning, but he's not, and like their merry crew that go up to the monastery and do that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she contributes well. So I would have said she's in my top, also in my top. Um, you know, is she the best Bond girl? But she is the only Bond girl who actually got a ring, Tracy. <laughs> Teresa, I think you kind of like by law you kind of have to put her near the top, no. don't you? No, They're you married. don't. You totally don't. The, she, they, they get married because Bond. I, I mean, God, it's such a mess because it doesn't he's courting her because he wants. He well, isn't he like playing a role? He's like it's part of the job, but then he accidentally falls in love with her. Well, first he finds her on the beach. Right, she's is she trying to like trying to drown herself? Okay, that guy runs out in in the water trying to drown herself. Then he rescues her. But how does he get connected with her father? That's not. She drives away. It's not a coincidence. And then he says, "I bet this wouldn't happen to that other guy." Yeah. <laughs> does he look right into the camera when he says that? I can't no. remember. Sure feels well, yeah, like actually, it. Yeah, he does. He pretty much does. 
Um, yeah, then he, he goes to the ski resort to confront Blofeld, and he, but he's disguised as the heirloom guy, the family uh, crest guy. Yeah. Doctor, and he puts on that stupid accent for like 40 minutes. What a weird movie. Um, but then he meets her again, and I I want to say he's... God, what was the no, plot so, of it? So, so the plot is, a- after the beach... He follows, uh, Tracy invites Bond to her hotel room to thank him, where he's then attacked by a man. Bond returns to his room, finds Tracy. Mm -hmm. Bond is kidnapped by Draco, her father, who says, I will give you one million pounds if you marry her. That's what it is. Right. He, he, the father essentially bribes Bond into marrying her. Bond says, I don't want the money, but... Because he falls I will, in love with her. I well, no, but he does say I will romance Tracy if he re- if Draco reveals the whereabouts of Blofeld, which at later at that lunch or whatever, um, Tra- uh, Tracy basically says, "Tell him, Dad. Uh, you know, just tell him where it is." So, yeah, weird movie. Yeah, I, uh, she's not the best Bond girl, not no, not by a long shot. No. She's, and just the fact that they got married does not make her the best Bond girl. No, she's definitely not the best, but she's an honorable mention. Sure, and I can I, give her, I'll give her that. And before we move on, I have to give one more honorable mention. Solitaire from Live and Let Die. No, God, no. She's <laughs> mediocre. I mean, she could see the future, but who cares? Uh, no, I was going to say the other girl Bond married... Kissy Suzuki from You Only Live Twice, <laughs> who he marries her in what I think is a real ceremony. And then she's never, at least Tracy gets like a grave and like it's brought up. Never mentioned. <laughs> he goes to a, a like a, a somewhat remote island, marries a girl. In like and a true like Shinto ceremony. Yeah, like they didn't, it wasn't but even But I guess that doesn't count because it wasn't in the West. It wasn't. It didn't happen in the West, so it didn't happen. Yeah, Even whatever though they did Bond really has to tell married. himself. But then he get, she gets poisoned, right? The poison that's meant for Bond. Yes, the, down the rope, which is a great gadget. Um, yep. Not poison really a gadget, rope. but I like that idea. But yeah, and then she's just never mentioned again. It's true. He doesn't lay flowers at her grave. Nope. <laughs> nope. I, I felt bad for her. She was on screen for I think about three minutes in that movie. He had to, he had to put on the racist Japanese makeup oh and everything to the, convince them that, that he oh was Japanese. And he looked so bad. He just looked like an ugly like an an ugly Sean Connery. Which is crazy because the fake nipple at least looks somewhat realistic. But they can't <laughs> do realistic Asian makeup on Sean I Connery. I wish they had played it up like like they played it up in in Golden in a uh, Man with the Golden Gun, where everybody knew that it was Bond just being like in disguise. I wish that they all like knew this was a British man in disguise <laughs> instead of like just oh my this God. is how stupid these people are. <laughs> like this that's that seemed like what the movie was trying to say is like. See how dumb they are? They they think he's a real, like, one of them. The movie is so bonkers. There were a lot of problems, Sean. Oh there were a God. lot of problems. That we made... could do a whole episode on problems in the James Bond films, but... Too many to count. Too many. Um, I, I want to ship out an honorable mention real yes, quick. Yes, please do. My girl, Domino, from Thunderball, who gets told straight up that her brother dies oh, after Bond, you know, has his fun with her. Problematic, but... It happens and also kills a henchman and saves Bond's life. True. Something cool that she does. She contributed. Mm-hmm. I agree. All and right, I, liked Vesper. I liked Vesper a lot. From uh, Vesper was. Vesper. 
Eva Green was fine, but it, I, I got burned out on her because I kept mentioning her for like four more movies. They wouldn't let it go. Yeah, that's true. I know her more by her name than by the character she played because they said her name more than anything else. But for me, I think I, I find there I find the romance between Bond and Vesper the most believable of all in, of them, of all of them, no. even more so than Honor Majesty's because Honor Majesty's Sean. No, that I agree with you isn't number one. Yeah. Honor Majesty's it, like it, they go from I'm courting her for her dad's uh, knowledge to they go straight from that to oh we're in love. And, and we know we're in love because we had this whole montage where we walk through the garden. And, and feed horses and shit. And and that's how you know that we're in love. But with, with Bond and Vesper, it is truly a romantic relationship that somehow grows throughout the movie. And then in the end, she's playing him and dies. Yeah, I, I, I love know. that. You know, I, I think she's awesome. Matt, if I told you what Bond girl I thought had the best chemistry with her Bond, uh, you would you would hang up right now and walk away. So maybe I shouldn't say anything. Say it. Waylon. You're wrong. You're <laughs> absolutely wrong. I thought they had great chemistry. You're so, you were I so know, wrong. And I know you I, disagree. I, I don't think you could be more wrong okay. about that. All right. I know it's your opinion, but I think you're It's a It's a bad wrong. opinion. Yeah, okay. There is no chemistry. There's great them. chemistry. As a matter of fact, I think that was probably the biggest problem is that there just was there was zero chemistry. See, I them. so there's so I, many worse Bond. I girls. could back you up if you if you wanted to say that Waylon was a was a good strong Bond girl. I I would back you up on that. And she, she does kung fu. She yeah. beats the henchmen up, but there was zero chemistry. Uh, I think they tried to force the chemistry to happen, and and it didn't need to be there. I thought there was plenty of chemistry, but whatever. We've got to move on, Matt. In the interest of yeah, time, no one wants to hear us argue this. Matt, we got to talk about the theme songs. Bond yeah, movies we, known for their theme songs. Uh, three movies didn't have theme songs, by the way. Uh, okay, you want me to name them? Uh, it's probably it's, it's not hard. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, you're just gonna say Doctor No? Yeah. Which had sort of a theme, the Three Blind Mice, but it wasn't. wasn't, it wasn't a theme like song. a Bond theme song. No. You're right. It wasn't a theme song. Uh, from Russia with Love. Yeah. This should be this should be easier. Yeah. On Her Majesty's. On Her Majesty's. Technically, okay. it has "We Have All the Time in the World" by Louis Armstrong, but it's not used as the theme. It's used during the movie. Right. It's a big. It's a big. It's the biggest song, song in, in the movie. movie. Yeah. Right. But the not really. How does a that theme. movie open? It just doesn't have a theme song. It I just think they going? just use. Um. Okay, I'm reading the Wikipedia now. Apparently, they actually did compose a theme, and they just didn't like it and didn't use it. Okay. So. I mean, there's a Beach Boys song in... Um, oh, God. Spy Was it Spy Who Loved Me? <sighs> Talk about another weird Skiing? movie yeah. moment. Um, Matt, I've gone ahead and ranked all 21 songs in the in the Bond cinematic universe. Would you like to start or should I start? I think I get to start this yeah, one. Yeah, you get this is your turn now. We'll start at the bottom. Here you go. Your bottom five songs. Coming in at number five. It is For Your Eyes Only, Sheena Easton. Which I think has a great chorus. For your eyes only. I actually think that's pretty good, but but everything outside of the chorus is terrible. Mm. It's not a good song. Uh, number four, 
The Man with the Golden Gun by Lulu. Um, oh, okay. So that that one's my le- that was my worst. See, I think there are three that are worse than that. Okay. Okay. Number three, Tomorrow Never Dies, Cheryl Crow. That was yeah. That was pretty bad too. I have that on, on my bottom three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like we'll agree on most of these. Number two, Die Another Day, Madonna. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's my Die bottom three right another there. Day, another day. <laughs> and what's great, there's in that song, I, so I've been listening to all these songs. I downloaded them all and I've been listening to them to get in the Bond mood. And what's great about that song is at one point in the middle of the song, like the first third of the song, she just says for no reason, Sigmund Freud. And then like the song just continues. It's not good <laughs> in like really? any way. Sigmund Freud? It's shockingly not good. I... um. I remember there was a ton of fun fact. There was a ton of controversy when that song was released. I think it's this song where, because in the music video, not the, not in the bond film, but in the music video, Madonna like throws a grenade yeah. and it lands on the president's lap. And the president at the time was George W. Bush and people went nuts and thought it was like awful. And and very wildly, she got a lot of flack for that. There was a lot of, it was right around 9-11, so there was still like a heavy patriotism and, um, and that that stuff. I I think it's a terrible song, and I think it, the the fact that it matches up with a a torture scene, like the opening sequence is Bond getting tortured. It's one of the North worst Korean opening prison. sequences. And and there's like this like this like uh, another day <laughs> like disco song. Terrible. Well, Matt, I'm going to blow your mind. This is a genuine blow your mind fun fact. This song, Die Another Day, was the top selling dance song in the U.S. for both 2002 and 2003. Yes, I, I do remember it being insanely popular. It peaked popular at number eight on the period. U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Yeah, it was one of the most successful Bond themes, yes. which is a tragedy, really. It's very bad. Uh, but believe it or not, Matt, I think there's one song that's even worse than that. Oh, yeah? What song was that? Uh, you Only Live Twice? No, You Only Live Twice is 14th on my list. Okay. What are you going to say? Sam Smith's Writings on the Wall. I hate that song. Because it's bland. At least Die Another Day is catchy. At least Man with a Golden Gun is interesting. At least For Your Eyes Only has a hook. Writings on the Wall is, is, is wallpaper. I'm trying to think of how that one goes. You want to... The writings on the wall. I can't do it. I can't do what it. Movie, what movie? What movie? That's Spectre. That? That's the latest one. That was the and it won the oh, damn Oscar. Oh, it did. Terrible. So, very forgettable. See, I already forgot. It, it, it's Stop honestly it. that's its biggest sin. It's not that it's. I'm not going to say it's truly terrible, but it's just not a good song. Sam it's Smith. Forgettable. It's. It's. I. I genuinely don't like it. Yeah. I would listen to Die Another Day a hundred times before I'd listen to Writings on the Wall, because at least it's catchy. So you'd say that was the worst? Your I worst think to me that's movie. absolutely the worst. Yeah. And that was All not right, I think a we generally choice. agree. I think we did. I, yeah, I wouldn't reiterate. I my think the top hypothesis. is where where we might disagree a little bit more, Matt. What are your what are your top couple? Ooh, there are so many. Um in no particular order until we get to my very favorite. Um honorable mention goes to a View to a Kill, which I know has got to be in your top top 
three probably. Would you believe that's my seventh? Duran Duran? No, I wouldn't. I would say Sean Jennings. The Sean Jennings that I know would put I love that song. Duran Duran of You to a Kill as like number two. I love that song, but nope, that's number seven. There's All some right. really good songs in this list. Genuinely. That's up there. Um from the older Bond movies. Live and Let Die, Paul McCartney, Wings, I would say is 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 in the top five. Number nine for me. I think it's a little overrated. I think if it were not done by, if it were the exact same song but didn't have Paul McCartney next to it, I don't think it would be as liked as it is. Uh, I really do like feel like some that. no name or yeah, like, with the exact same yeah. song because I think it's just kind of good, not great in terms of Bond songs. But I I get where you're going. I like it. I love the opening sequence. Uh, with the skull, oh, I think sure. that's it's a really neat opening sequence, and it yeah. ties it ties in with the movie. Mm-hmm. And I like the string. I like the like diversity of it. You got the strings. Oh yeah, it mixes all around. Horns sure. and yeah. So I would say that's up there for me. Um, my two favorites, and it's so hard, but I have to pick one here for a um a bond a bond opening. I really, really enjoy. They're the two Daniel Craig movies. Adele Skyfall. Number two for me. And. And. Gosh, if I, I, I actually like all three. Oh, don't. don't I make like a, Jack White. Don't make Not the wrong favorite. decision here. One of these Casino two songs Royale. is clearly better than the other. I am. 100% going with um, – um, You Know My Name. You Know My Name. Thank you. You Know My Name. Chris Christina Cornell. Royale, by Chris Cornell. That's my number Mark, five, and I think the I best of the favorite. Craigs. Mm-hmm. Another way to that's die goes favorite. all the way to 13 for me. I, I just – it has potential, and the first bit is good, but then as soon as you break into like the weird guitar solos and Alicia Keys like weirdly moaning in the middle, and it's right, just over – it's got the best kick. I think it's got the yeah. best open of it's a Bond. It's unique. Bond it's interesting. Thing. Yeah. The, the the opening sequence was terrible, though. I hate oh, it. Oh, yeah. No, that's not a good one. No, no, no. I, no, You Know My Name is... I When I first heard that, when I first saw Casino Royale, I didn't really care for it. And then as we did the shows, you were really talking it up. So I'm like, I'm really going to listen to this a couple times to get into it. It's really good. Yeah. It's as a, really as a song, good. That, that might be my favorite Bond Bond theme. It's You Know really My Name good. by Chris Cornell. Yes. Um, I w- that's what I'm going to say is my favorite. Skyfall would be close behind it. Yep. I put it at two. Um, third, if I had to go with third, I would probably go. I I would probably go View to a Kill because I think it I think it really fits the time period very well sure. and it fits the movie really well. Oh, how could I forget? All right, I'm bumping View to a Kill down to fourth and third. I'm going to put Nobody Does It Better. That's my number three. Yeah, that's a wow. great jam. That's good. a We've great. The, Carly Simon yeah. is so good on that track. Nobody does it better. The theme song to um, "Spy Who Loved Me." Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The other and ones. That's my top. And then five. I guess I would put five. I would. I would throw in. Um, hey, Goldfinger's pretty good. I don't know if I would put it in my top five though, but it's pretty good. Um, who's that? Is that Nan- That's not Nancy. No, Shirley. Shirley Basie. Shirley Basie. Nancy Sinatra does You Only Live Twice. Yeah. Right? Which is not great. It's fine. It's in the middle somewhere. I've got that at 14 out of 21. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, all right. So we've got 
I thought I had five. Yeah, you had oh, five. Oh, you well, named five. Let die. Live and let die. Yeah. Paul McCartney. Yeah, you five. named your five. Yeah. Um, yeah, Matt. Ones that were in my top that you didn't mention. Um, at number four, uh, "The Living Daylights" by Aha. I I I think that's a better song than "A View to a Kill." Honestly, I, I really do. Boring. I thought it was a little flat. I but I think it's more Bondian. I think it's it better. "A View to a Kill" is a good pop song. I I feel like. Living Daylights hits better with that movie with Bond overall. But I think they're both great. Um, I'll say that. That's the one, if you hit, like on this list of the one I've listened to the most, it might be The Living Daylights. I really, that's just me. I like that song. I would also say um, Goldfinger, I put as number one in my list. Partly because it's iconic, partly because Shirley Basie is amazing on that track. But the issues I have is I think that Shirley Basie, who did three, I think Diamonds Are Forever may be a better song than Goldfinger. I think she performs better in Goldfinger. I like Diamonds Are Forever. That's got a good a good beat. It's got a good hook. Um, it's catchy, and I like it. So that one's credit. And then I don't think we talked enough about Skyfall as well, which I actually have at number two. Um, I think that's the best Bond theme song. It fits Bond to a T. I don't know how you can get a better Bond-related song than Skyfall. It, it oozes Bond, which I really like. Um, and I would love to see Adele, like Shirley Basie, coming back for a couple. I'd love to see Adele come back and do another theme. I think that'd be great. Yeah. I, I also like the lyrics for Skyfall. Yep. Because it's, it's got a lot to do with you know, this is the end. It's the end of of the, like kind of the, that trilogy, the 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 Craig early Craig trilogy. Uh, it also talks about um, about uh, yeah. It's 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 it just fits the it fits the feeling and the and the theme so well, especially the horn kick in the very beginning. Yep. Like at, right as soon as Bond hits in the water and he's sinking. After he gets shot, it's yeah, it's all around. It is it is truly a, a tremendous Bond, uh, Bond um, theme. Yep. And and I think it's it's kind of a compliment to, uh, you know my name because you know my name is all like jumpy and actiony and 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 you just, you just picture Bond like running through like a training course or like running through like all all his missions like as he as he achieves double O status uh, while this is going on and the lyrics to that one. Uh, referencing a lot of the casino themes that are that are in the movie, like life is gone with just the spin of a wheel, uh, arm yourself, no one else here will save you. Yep. And um, something about the house. He talks about like um, that. Yeah, the house. The house will betray you, and no, the house will replace you. Right? Yeah. I don't like, remember. Yeah. The house will replace, like the house, the casino. Again, it's 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 great. I like when the song ties in directly with the plot of the movie. Yeah, it's, many and, of these and the don't, which sequence. is a shame. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a great one. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Alrighty, Matt. Well, so I think we pretty much agreed a lot on uh on our. I think themes. it's clear which are good and which good. are bad. I think there might be more mm. controversy in the middle, but I think <laughs> the top and bottom are pretty clear. And I would say, I would say, the majority of them are really good songs. Yeah. Yeah, except for Madonna. Um, I think I want to I want to throw an honorable mention to. Yeah. I thought it was fine. Was uh, um, garbage. Mm. Garbage is uh, the world is not enough. Yeah, that's in my bottom half. Throw an honorable. It's an honorable mention in there. If, if not we're doing the best, but 
if we're doing honorable mentions, then I'm going to throw in License to Kill by Gladys Knight. I think that's a good track. Okay. Yeah, but that's They're not even all fair. Good. Gladys Knight. Well, I know, but it's like <laughs> Tina Turner and Goldeneye, I think, is a pretty good track. Yeah. You know, it's amazing when you look at this list of artists, who Tom Jones, who we didn't really talk about, and, um, you know, some of these other... Rita Coolidge, who's somewhat forgettable, but so was Octopussy, so whatever. Um, Matt, let's move on in the interest of time. We still have to talk about the movies and ultimately rank the Bonds, which I'm very excited about. Um, let's talk about the movies, top and bottom. Um, 24 movies here to choose from. Some of them good, some of them not as much. Uh, do you want to start or you want me to start? Um, who, I think you started last time, right? Okay. Yep. So I'll go ahead. Uh, I'll start with my, my least favorite Bond movies. Yeah. Get, I mean, get. I've kind of been referencing it all time, to- like uh, in error all through this, this, uh, this time. But I think my least favorite is probably Octopussy. That was my least favorite. Probably my least favorite. I think that's the only was... time we've agreed all night on the. Yeah. That was a yeah, weak I, as I'd hell say That movie. was my bottom one. Weak and forgettable villains. A terrible uh, villain plot. It was so campy. It was like that it was, was the that was the point. There was it was it was the saturation point on the camp had had kind of hit its. They they its had to maximum. pull it back. When the moment in that movie when he when he goes up to the snake charmer and the snake charmer starts playing the James Bond theme in the movie, I'm like, too yeah. much. Shut it down. This and is not he, okay. He has the alligator suit. Oh my god! Yes. The, in the alligator. Yeah, it was too much. It yeah, was that, too much. For that the was camp. not good at all. No, I, I'm and, totally. And I felt like every time Bond spoke in that movie, it was some. It was a quip. It was a every 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 like line of dialogue was some kind of quip. And I think that's why it's not memorable because he doesn't really do anything in the movie. Even the stunts no, weren't memorable. Kind of moves through the, he moves through the plot quipping. The Is whole that the time. one where he shows up at the end in the hot air balloon? Yes. Out of yep. nowhere, totally negating the awesome female-led ending. That is it. Yes. Ugh, that mm-hmm. movie, man. Terrible. Not good. Terrible, my least favorite, for Agreed. sure. 100%. Also, on the bottom, toward the bottom of the barrel, is Man with the Golden Gun. Okay, that which, was my 19. Which I think, is, I think is kind of a shame, because I think that Chris, Christopher Lee does such a great job in this movie. Eh, I don't agree with that. I, I think he I think he was awesome. I thought he was a great, he played a great villain. I just didn't think he got enough screen time. To be honest, I didn't think he got enough screen time to. I thought I thought the villain was poorly written and bad, but I thought that Christopher Lee did a great job in the in the role. Thought he was acting his heart out like he always does. Well, yeah, but I, I, you're right. The movie let him down. It just it wasn't a yes. well plotted movie. No, no, it was not. Um, and so my third from the bottom. Uh, oh, we've it's got to be die another. It's got to be die another day. Die another day. Terrible. I have that just below man with the golden gun. But yes, mm-hmm. terrible. Um, just again, another all quips, a movie all that, jokes movie. And I thought it was a movie that had a severe identity crisis. It didn't know what it wanted to be. Like it, it starts off being really dark and really Bond is is captured and and tortured for was it. 12 month like yeah something many, like that is 14 months something like a that a long yeah. time yeah mm-hmm. that, like over a year and then all of a sudden he, he you know he's in the hospital and his heart is shutting down and but then it turns out that he just he like shaves and he's okay and he's just back to being bond like and then that's, we get, 
you know, regular day in life. And then the whole second half of the movie is Halle Berry throwing quips. You've got DNA changing and invisible cars and ice palaces and space lasers and oh, talk about a electric suit. Plot. Yeah. There, I, I literally, uh, well, we, I talked about this on the show last week, but or two weeks ago, I didn't understand the plot for years until I rewatched it recently. Like, I still was confused. Yes. So, not that a good movie. Been, that, we should have talked about that being a confusing Oof. mess. Hard to watch. But, yeah. So, those are my bottom three. We've okay. got Octopussy. We've got... Um, Man with the Golden Gun and Man Die Another Golden Day. Golden Gun and we got Die Another Day. Yeah. Yeah. I Believe it or not, I have three movies I consider better than Octopussy, but worse than Die Another... Worse than, uh, than Die Another Day. Yeah. Um, but one of those is Spectre, which... Again, what I like about Die Another Day is at least it's visually interesting. You know, at least stuff happens. What I don't like are the boring Bond movies. Spectre to me is a boring Bond movie. Uh, I have View to a Kill as well towards the bottom here. Again, another movie where nothing interesting really happens. And I have Live and Let Die down there as well, which I guess kind of has the opposite problem where too much stuff happens and it's just a little too out there zany for me. We prove magic is real. We've got voodoo doctors. <laughs> we, we've got black exploitation. We've got all this kind of crazy heroin dealing, Mr. Big, Doctor. It just it's just too much. We've it's got just Sergeant. Too much. Uh, I want to call him Sergeant Pepper, but no, he's not. Is it? <laughs> Sergeant Pepper. No, you think of Sheriff J W. Sher- Pepper. Sheriff J W. Pepper. Right? Yeah, we've got him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that movie has big problems. That's in my bottom as well. So we're, well, I think we're kind of in agreement on a lot of this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what are we What are we gonna say about the top? Our favorite Bond films. Oh boy, this is gonna be tough. I'll start. I'll, I'll give you my top five here. Okay. Go for it. Okay. And you jump in here at any point. Number five. Yeah. You're gonna hate me for this. Number five. Diamonds are forever. Okay. Here's the thing about the movie. I want to be crystal clear. That is the good kind of bonkers James Bond movie, okay? And that's why it's the only sort of bonkers one to be this high up on my list. Because I think the Vegas stuff is really good. I think when the moment when Bond breaks into the research facility, steals a moon buggy, drives it through a fake moon set, and then across the desert is so insane. I think um, Jimmy Dean is really good in this. I think Blofeld is is interesting. It's just... It's just the good kind of zany Bond film, which I like about it. So I'm going to give props to Diamonds Are Forever. I know you disagree, and that's okay. Yeah. I didn't make it one. I made it number no, five. You're, you're entitled to be wrong. It's okay. Okay. It Sean Connery was, was was was. This was probably his worst Bond movie. Oh. Like, I think it was his worst performance in a uh, Bond film. I think it's pretty safe to say. Uh, worst performance in a Bond film. Even in Doctor No, I think he was, he was like. Figuring out the character as he went along, but I thought he was still better. I might challenge from Russia with love. Mailed it in. No, no, no. I don't think he was that great. He, in that. I think he mailed it in. He looked old, and he looked like he didn't want to do do yeah. this anymore. But you he, have looked, to rem- he looked shot. He looked well, retired. No, that's never say never again. He looked reti- like he was going to retire. Like he was like. Well, he only came retired. back for the money. But I still think it's a it's an exciting. Movie. I thought he I thought he did even better in in uh, Never Say Never Again because I think it it was more about yeah. like acknowledging him being old than like trying to pretend like he wasn't. I think there's so much fun stuff happening in that movie that's not Bond. It makes up for it. But anyway, I digress. Um, number four, License to Kill. Okay, I agree with that one. I that's, think it's, that's it, probably falls exactly. It's unique. It's exciting. 
Um, number three, Casino Royale. I thought you would. I thought you didn't uh, care for that one. You know, this rewatch has really turned me around. I really, I, again, I think it does have some major flaws, but it, like License to Kill, I like the unique Bond films, right? Diamonds does its own thing. License to Kill does its own thing. Casino Royale does its own thing. That's what I like about these. Okay. You know, the, the more bland one, when you look at like, especially the Brosnan ones, which no slight to him, but those are, they're just bland movies. Yeah, I, I I liked them so much more before I did this watch through, and and <laughs> well, they're the, they're the ones that seem like the most of a chore to get through. Unfortunately, Oof. yeah. So die another day. Not, <sighs> yeah, uh, yeah. Tomorrow never dies. It's some of these. It's like, geez, I, they're, yeah. they're not interesting. Um, my number two for your eyes only. Oh, okay. That's your number two. That's my really? number two. I think okay. that's Moore's best performance is in that movie. I I think the Bond girl is very good in the movie. I what I again, different. It's a different mm-hmm. Bond movie Stands because it's it, not a lot of gadgets. It's it's got the double cross where the guy you think the villain isn't actually the villain. I just I could not turn that movie off. I thought it was really great. So that's number two for me. And then my number one, drum roll, please, Matt. Let's say at the same time what our number one is. Really? Yes. Do you do you know? It's so hard to. It's. I mean, you, it's you like choosing. Pick. It's like choosing a child. I really. know, I but mean, you have to pick. We're gonna say them at the same time. We're gonna say them at the same time. Are you ready? Okay. One. Ready. Two. Three. Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Hey! No way. There's no <laughs> way. No, we picked the same movie. That's why I wanted to do that. I had a feeling we Damn. were going the same direction. Yes. I think that is the most Bond movie of all the Bond movies. Like, if you had to pick one Bond movie that is the most Bond movie, I think you pick Goldfinger. I think it set the template for the rest of the franchise. I think from Pussy Galore to Goldfinger himself to Sean Connery and everywhere in between, it just works from top to bottom there's no point where you're bored there's no point where it's slow it's good stunts it's good acting i just think it's all around the most solid movie right i couldn't agree more it's it's the gold standard yes goldfinger is the gold standard for bond movies because it's and and i think every other movie since then has kind of been reaching to to get to where goldfinger is in in the in the it's it's in the culture as as the Bond film. Yep. A, a, the iconic Bond film. And I think it will always be that way. Um, Sean, I want to go with some uh, of my top five. Yes, please. Um, uh, a number five, I would, you're, you see, this is where my pick is, is not going to definitely not going to line up with yours. Uh, and we're going to disagree on this one, but top five, like number five, I would say golden eye. Goldeneye was in my top five because I it was maybe it's just a personal connection with it, but it was one of the first Bond movies I remember watching. Uh, it got me into the franchise really more so. Goldfinger was probably the first one that I saw, but back then I was so young it was like this is just an old movie. Goldeneye was like an updated, like new take on on Bond, and I and I liked that. I I I thought Pierce Brosnan did a really good job in the role. 
Um, he was kind of like he just seems like he was made to play Bond. It's his best. It's his best of his. Four. It is his. I agree that it is his best in the in the franchise in the in the series. Um, so number five is Goldeneye. I, uh, Sean Bean's performance as Trevelyan oh, is excellent. Great. No, and even even Alan Cummings. Uh, I would say. For me, it's a top ten. I, you know, I don't know if I know we go top five, but I agree with you. I do think it's a solid all around. It's a good of that era. There are a lot of bad movies. I think that's one of the better ones. Yeah. Um, number four, I would probably say. Uh, oh, I gotta make sure I leave room here now. Uh, number f- all right, coming in at number four, I'm gonna say uh, that's my for your eyes only. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it at number four. Love the plot, love the the twist. Like every for every reason that you mentioned, I think it has one of the best Q moments in the movie where he's the like in the, the one of the monks in the in the the monastery. Um, and it has a it has a great, and, and I, I agree with with you that it is it is Moore's best performance. I think in in the role, yes, uh, kind of unmatched. I love the low emphasis on technology. The fact that. It gets completely subverted in the beginning of the movie when the car gets wrecked and it's like Bond just has to use his wits. And it's like very much a return to form for Bond. Love it. Um, number three would be License to Kill. Okay. Uh, I, I like the, the the Bond vengeance. The the villain is is so dark and terrifying and, and – can I do it? Can I do like a two point five? You can do whatever you so want, I'm Matt. Squeeze in a Cram 2. them in 5. there. Get them in there. Cramming them into the top. Um, because I I knew I was gonna not leave room, and 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 now here we are. But I'm gonna I'm gonna put in that little two point five space. I'm gonna put Skyfall. Okay. Skyfall um, was my six. It fell just outside my top five. I, I love I love Skyfall. I mean, I could I could probably take out License to Kill and put Skyfall in third, and I'll, I would be fine with that. Yeah. No, I hear you. Um. Loved uh, dr- the drama of the movie, um, the vulnerability of Bond, and the and the sign off of M it, was uh, was a great. It was just a great culminate. And the and the villain and and the villain uh, was it Har- was it uh, who was the villain Javier Bardem? Yeah, was Javier Bardem? Yeah, great villain. Um, As I said last week, I I can't think of another example of a franchise setting up and knocking down a reboot so perfectly. I totally agree. I I just yeah it, it other other movies should take notes from this like yes. other other reboots that that are, that are in the works. This is like the way to do it. Coming in at number two has got to be Casino Royale. Okay, yeah, Casino. I love Casino Royale, even though the villain's plot is a little weak. Like we mentioned, it's got. I think it's Craig. It's Craig's first. I don't think it's his best. I think Skyfall was probably his best, but I think the 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 writing in this movie is yeah. so good. It's so damn good. And it's good. shot very well too, by the and way. I I think of a lot of the for me that's like top 3 in terms of the directing and the cinematography as well. The stunts are very good. Um it hits a lot of those elements. Probably the best opening, the best yep. pre-sequence opening of a yep. Bond film. It, the way it's everything is staged and set up where it subverts your expectations with the no gun barrel um, to the eventual gun barrel right before it just, it, it sets everything up and it ends so great. The, the ending is so nice too, yep. in that it, 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 it establishes the bond, James Bond and the, 
Bond theme that hasn't been used through the entire movie, right? And it's used in the credits. Yep. I just think it was great. It was it was a really really tremendous movie. Um, it's too bad that it had to be followed by Quantum of Solace, which was a giant waste of time. Which I it was so much so forgettable, Sean. I I didn't even put it in my worst Bond movies because I <laughs> forgot about it. I thought it was even worse than Spectre, but. Mm-hmm. Um, because it felt it felt more like just a continuation of Casino Royale. Like it could have just been tacked on to the end, but it would have ruined Casino Royale by doing. Yeah, that. yeah, that's fair. So, um, but then again, I I'll give it the benefit of the doubt because it was when the writer the writer strike was happening. Yeah, it was it's like, not maybe not that movie's fault. It's as crappy as it is. Yeah. Um. Well, man, I'm glad we're we're pretty much in agreement. Yeah. You know, maybe we're off a couple spaces here and there. I'm fascinated. Our, our next ranking is our final ranking. We're going to rank the Bond actors. But um, I'm curious that you had two Daniel Craig movies in your top three. I did. I think he's a good Bond. I do. I like him. The blonde we're, Bond. We're going to find out. Um, yeah. Matt, we have got to rank the six actors who have played James Bond. I have a feeling this is going to be the most controversial ranking of the night. And I know for a fact you will hate mine. Yes, You've been warned. I probably will. I, I, I already know because I already know who you're going to what, what's going to happen. You, I know how this is going to go. OK, I've read this script. Go ahead. Predict it. Go ahead right now. Sean, you're going to th- you're going to say that Timothy Dalton is the best James Bond. I'm not you? that big of an idiot. Give me. Give me <laughs> come on. Matt. You've known me for how long? Many Almost a decade, if you can believe it. It's true. Give me a little bit of credit that I wouldn't do that. I think he's an amazing Bond. And actually, if I if it wasn't like me worried about you're being embarrassed, the- I almost might have. He would have been higher not, on my list if I didn't feel self-conscious. You're not actually going to say that you, you think that Roger Moore was the best James Bond. No, Matt, George Lazenby is the no, best No, come Bond. on. <laughs> <laughs> I was, no, I'm I not. Was, I was so no. hoping you weren't going to go there. No, I'm not going to. Um, uh, Matt, do you want me to do my list or you want to do yours first? You go first. Okay, here we go, Matt. The six James Bonds from worst to best. Coming in at number six, George Lazenby. I don't blame him. He only had one movie. I don't think it's fair, but you can't rank him anything more than last. You just can't. You can't. It's it's just and yeah, and and it's it's that he had one movie, but that that doesn't. I mean, he he he. To be fair, Sean, he had the option to be in more. He turned it down. And hey, I he. Had- he would, they wanted to sign him on to like six more, and he said no. So I, I think I think. I think even if he had done more, I think more would have been better. Uh, I just think he's a fine guy, but I just not not a very great Bond. So he's number six. Number five, Matt. Daniel Craig. Oh, so here's where we get. Okay. Yep, it's not getting better from here. Daniel, again, I like all of these guys. I want to be crystal clear. None of even George Lazenby isn't bad. It's just you have to rank them. And for me, I just like the other guys more than Daniel Craig. It's He's not bad. I don't like gritty smoky james bond that's just not the bond i like that's that's not my flavor of bond you don't like steel bond i don't i think he's really good in his movies i'm not gonna knock him but it's just not the bond i gravitate towards and i and i like the other ones better My, my thought in doing this matt and i would be curious to know your answer when we circle around to you is if i were casting a movie today and i had my choice of any of the bond actors at their peak, so Connery in the 60s and more in the 70s, and I could pick any of them to cast in a Bond movie today, who would I choose? I wouldn't choose Daniel Craig. 
I think that's yeah. So that's an that's a good argument for why he's not the best Bond. Yeah, and I wouldn't make that argument. I don't think he's the best Bond. Okay, good. Well, do you want to? Know? <laughs> I would not mark. I would not put him as low as you did. But okay. that's just okay. my own taste. And I knew you wouldn't, so that's okay. Uh, right mm -hmm. above Craig is Timothy Dalton. Yep, my man. I love Timothy. I honestly have a very big affection for Timothy Dalton. Uh, but he was only in two movies. You can't rank him more than the big, the big other three. Yeah, M Matt. Coming in at my third favorite, Sean Connery. Stay with me here, okay? Wipe that surprise look off your face. <laughs> Sean Connery is a great Bond. He's the original Bond and the iconic Bond. But I feel like he was a Bond of a certain era. And I feel like in his movies, he's the least plausible Bond to me. You could take any of these guys not named Sean Connery and I could be like, yeah, okay, maybe they're really maybe they're really a secret spy on the weekends. Like I could totally buy that. Sean Connery, I'm like, there's no fucking way he's working for Her Majesty's Secret Service. He's not doing it. He's he's a so he's, he's a, a Hollywood bond. He is. He's a big he's a personality. Movie His movies are interesting. He's just not he's number three. Number two, Pierce Brosnan. To me, I think the most charming bond, and I know people will say it's Connery, but I don't think that's true. If, to answer that question, if I were casting a Bond movie today, who would I cast? It would be Pierce Brosnan. I think he's the most, he was let down by the scripts and directors of his movies, and I think he has the most universal ongoing appeal. Of He's the most charming, I think, of the Bonds, and I think he played his movies well. The movies let him down, not the other way around. And my number one, you guessed it, Matt, it is Moore. It is Roger Moore. He is, to me, the iconic Bond in like a Moonraker, um, you know, you only live, not you only live twice. I keep mixing those up because they sound so damn similar. For Your Eyes Only, Moonraker and For Your Eyes Only, those sort of back-to-back. -back. He's very good in those. A little bit quippy, a little bit flirty, all-around Bond. That That is my ranking. Roger Moore is my number one Bond, Matt. Now, please tell me how wrong I am. Well, you got one of them right. <laughs> That's Lazenby being last. That's literally the only one that okay. I would agree with you. Okay. We have to put him last. Again, it's he only rules. got one movie. It just makes sense. Sean, you committed a cardinal sin when you put when you put Connery as anything but first. Connery's got to be first on the list. I really he, he disagree. I really disagree. He, has to be. I don't think he has to be. You cannot put. You cannot say that Pierce Brosnan was a better Bond than than the man who is Bond. He's literally but James Bond. Just because he was first doesn't make him best. That's baloney. That's yes, baloney. That's like saying Model case, T is the best car In ever made. In this case, it does. In this case, it makes it makes it known that he's the most iconic. I think that the way that the way that you judged the or the way that you de you determined your list, I think you tried to find the most realistic bond like you tried to find no, the, the actor who would fit the that's role part of it but it's the actor okay. it's the actor i enjoyed on screen the most and believe it or not connery was not the guy i enjoyed watching so that would the be most. roger moore yes you would you would, you'd want to watch more more yes again i feel like when you look I at some him, of them i i don't know i i thought his movies i liked his movies i thought his movies were some of the the more interesting ones except for the ones that weren't like Octopussy. But as an actor, you really, you would say you would sit and watch like dozens of this guy as Bond. I like think if you take worth. him at his peak, yes. 
I agree. He was not good in some of his movies. Same with Sean Connery, by the way. Same with all of them. Right. They all have good and bad ones. But if you take all these actors at their peak, I think Roger Moore is a good is a solid bond. Again, Connery to me is an interesting actor. He's an interesting character on screen, but Bond, four letters, it means something. And I don't yeah, think he's the means, iconic Bond. It means everything that Connery is and stands for on when he's on screen. Um <laughs> uh, all right. So I guess so I've got we've got very different opinions. Yeah, keep going. Here. I want to hear I want to hear got, your full list. I've got Connery at Connery at first. I'll just work down. Yeah. We got Lazenby last, so yeah. we got to just kind of fill in the gaps here. So uh, in fifth, right above Lazenby, uh, that's actually where I would put Roger Moore for my list. Ooh, okay, that's – hang on. <laughs> hang on. I'm going to put him fifth. I totally understand you not putting him first. That's so fair. I will never criticize anyone for saying Sean Connery is the best Bond because I get the argument. I don't agree with it. I totally understand it. But you cannot say Roger Moore is right above. You're saying that's I'm gonna say crazy. That, I'm going to say that he's in fifth because I think that he he just um the his bond was like the quirkiest, like the the goofiest. Yes, that's great of all of them. But I don't think that that's really like he brought he and he brought like a weird some kind of weird humor into the Bond role that I think wasn't there before like like connery when he was humorous he was like also he did it in a debonair and extremely charming way more was more that, flippant about stuff because he would kind of just throw off the jokes yeah and he'd be like he, oh he i can't believe it, that just happened you know like that kind of yeah he he played it i think he played it for yucks a lot yeah and and he because he because he took part in octopussy I think that that's got to that's got to like. But again, is he bad in Octopussy? I think he's worse yes. than a view to a kill. Frankly, I think he mails it in. I think he mails it in in both of those roles. I think yeah, those but are so did Sean Connery in Diamonds Are Forever. It's not a crime. Yes, Diamonds Are Forever was bad. It was a bad role but that, for him. To be he honest, was getting old. He was this aging. Is, this is why I like Pierce Brosnan because I think Pierce Brosnan does the best job of navigating both charming and funny. Right. I have. I actually have Brosnan. You might surprise you. Okay, I, I we'll keep going. So we've got from the bottom um, Lazenby, Moore, Moore, then uh, Dalton. Okay, Dalton. I think he was he was a um, a good. I, again, I think he got he got kind of shafted by only having two movies. If he had done more, I think he if he had gotten that third the third movie seems to be where they hit like really hit their stride. Um, he was a very realistic Bond. I felt, I really did believe like this guy could be an assassin. Yep, hundred percent. And and but he he was he was the opposite of Moore in that I think he was too serious. He, he was just too self serious and too too gritty, too like loathing and and brooding. And Craig, you're going to say Craig was too, but Craig when he was loathing and brooding, like he. He, I think, could also use humor to like take it out on people. Whereas, whereas, like, like when when they wrote jokes for Dalton, I think he just didn't he didn't really read them as jokes. They were just like things. I, I got to say this. Yeah, I guess I think the reason the jokes work so well for Craig is because he tells so few of them. And I think that was I agree. An issue with Roger Moore was too many jokes. They got tiring. Um, but mm. 
I, I do think, Timoth- again, when you, it's like different levels, right? On the humor scale, I think Timothy Dolan is below Craig above the other guys. But I agree. No, I'm, I'm with you where, where Dalton's at. All right. Who's, who's yeah. above Dalton? Above Dalton, uh, that's where I'm going to put – that's where I'm going to put Craig. Okay. That's where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put Craig at, at number three. Okay. Um, really like him a lot as a Bond but I don't think he has the same charm as the man I put at number two, which is Pierce Brosnan. 100%. I don't think any Bond has... I would argue Brosnan has more charm than Connery. It's different mm-hmm. charm, but I think it's I a think more universal charm. When Yeah, when it comes down to it, Craig has the... He has the air of, like, if this wasn't a... If, if we were ranking just actors playing agents playing like the best action the best action actors i would say craig would be number one on this list yeah best if it was not if the bond name was not attached at I all agree. i think he is like the best like jack bauer yep um 100 born uh, identity born, type born identity yeah. type guy to play and that was like really the movies he was in uh he's also he's also really got the drama of of his movies down the very dramatic and high stakes and 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 just like dripping with dripping with like sadness and and smokiness and stuff. So um, he's got that down. But Pierce Brosnan is like a re- more refined. He's like a refined agent um, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, basically. Yeah. Um, and he, but he and he and he checks all the boxes. He's 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 suave he's sophisticated he's funny he's charming but he he also kicks ass and he also it, it navigates the water so easily that i think he deserves number two yeah. for me connery is number one just because he he has to be number one he has to be like I, just like goldfinger has to be the best bond movie i don't see how you put connery as anything lower than one on this list i don't think that's fair he's got to be number i don't one. think that's fair i don't I because be. each of these guys brings so much different to their roles and again it's how you look at this list right because we could rank them using 100 different metrics my list was my favorite more is my favorite is he the best actor to play bond no i don't think so but he's the one I enjoyed watching the most because that's the style. And I liked his movies the most. That's just the style I like. I still stand by, though, if you were casting a movie today, you put Pierce Brosnan in it. I think he's the most universally accessible Bond who balances all the different aspects you need. He's good at being serious. He's good at being charming. He's good at being funny. It's a shame he got such shitty movies because I think he, he, for me, is the most universal Bond, period. Imagine him in License to Kill. He could have been so in a lot it. of these movies. Yeah. He would have killed it. He and he had the chance too, but he was in um Remington Steel. He was involved in Remington Steel, right? Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, he would have he would have been so good in I mean, that he's role. He's great in Goldeneye. He's so good in that. Would have been so good. He but, is. But it's it was just a bad era for Bond period. And then that would put that would put Tomorrow as his like third movie, which would have been his stride. That's the stride movie where you hit your stride. I still think he was pretty good. I think he really kind of peaked in golden eye, but tomorrow I thought he was good. in, And then I thought like the world's not enough. He was okay. And then it died another day. That movie just had so many problems. He kind of got lost in the shuffle. He did. 
He did. But that's our rankings. That is our rankings, man. I uh yeah. I, I want to thank you, Sean, for oh. for being along for the ride and all of our listeners out there who who uh who went on this uh this 007 adventure with us today. It, it, it's been so terrific, Matt. Please don't ever make me watch 25 movies again. Uh, <laughs> I'm so you did a A plus job of picking this as a topic. It was so fun for me to watch these movies change. It's one of the few franchises that has been around long enough and changed so much over time. Other than the word Bond, you're changing actors, you're changing music, you're changing uh, characters, you're changing plots, you're changing styles. There's so much variety in these movies. It was a pleasure to sit through and watch all of them and watch them change over time. Uh, Something you miss when you see them in the years they came out and being able to watch them all in sequence. it was really fascinating. So this was this was great, a great a great experience. Yeah, uh, maybe next week we'll get to talking about Bond twenty five. I don't know what are we doing next week, Matt. Uh, I figured we could talk about Bond twenty five. Okay, well we're gonna come, <laughs> we're back next week with more Bond if you can believe yeah. it. Uh, maybe maybe we won't devote the whole episode to it. Maybe we'll just like we'll do some it. talking points, touch on it. Maybe we can also talk on our, our other um, topic that we deign to be experts in, uh, the XFL. Maybe we can give a little XFL. Oh, a little presents update. Yeah. Maybe we can just kind of like meld, meld the two. Yeah. We'll come up with up something. For Bond, up, for, up for Bond FL. <laughs> up for XFL. The Bond Football Bond. League? Yeah. X-Bond. Um, that sounds like extreme deodorant. This uh, is Bond. James Bond. <laughs> this Actually, I think is. You, yeah. How did they never get Vince McMahon to be a villain in a Bond movie? Oh, he'd be great. But was it Dolph Lundgren is in the background, is like a background villain in one of the movies. Is he? Because he was dating the Bond girl in whatever movie that was at the time. And he was just like on set hanging out and they're like, Oh, you want to be in the background of the shot? And he's like, sure. (laughs) He's just like standing there, not doing anything. Imagine Um, Jesse, the body Ventura. He could be like the other villain. Yeah. He's gone a little too. Although, Hey, credit where credits due. Dave Bautista in, uh, Spectre. Yeah. You know, the MMA guy. Yeah. True. That's true. Close. Um, anyhow, uh, Matt, we're going to wrap it up here because, God, we have just talked too long this evening um, and both of us have work in the morning. Thanks uh, to you, man. Thanks, everyone out there for being here. Another great time. I won't subscribe wherever you get podcasts and you can contact us at Up for Debate TV on Twitter and Up for Debate TV at gmail.com. We will be back next time with more exciting content. On behalf of Matt, I'm Sean. Thanks for being here and have a great evening. That's a weird way to end it. I'm going to try that again. This has been Up for Debate. This has been a Coffee and Beer production, executive produced by Matt Mariani and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.